Are we in Pro Tools? We are. Bitching. Yeah. And you are good. The headphone volumes are all good. Is it, re- is it recording yet? Headphone volumes are good? Yeah, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm good. Is it, is it recording? It is, yeah. I'm so sure, Cass. <laughs> yes. That just became the new permanent theme. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's like a guest edition. We're, we're going to have every guest just grab that guitar now, strum the first thing their fingers get them, and just sing it. Perfect. That's actually a good idea. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 72nd episode of I'm So Sure, Cast. I'm your host, Tim Early. I'm here with Tim Sullivan. Hello. And this week, we've got Bob Beal with us. Bob, how you doing? Excellent. Fantastic. Bob Beal. What a little treat. I know. This is great. It's great to be here. This was almost like a, um, you're almost like the unicorn of this. Interesting. Because it was an instant return on our investment. The investment being asking you to be on the podcast. Ah. And we were always like, we want Bob to be on it, but like, we know he's really busy with the shop. He probably won't have time. Then, of course, I, you know. As soon as I knew I was invited, I made time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're under like 48 hours here. Yeah. yeah. If you were kidnapped and we found you in this amount of time. It wouldn't even be an Amber Alert. No. Yeah, it wouldn't have been time. It'd be yeah. great police work. We'd be hailed. <laughs> Heralded by the local news. But yeah, once I gathered up the gusto to ask you, it was just like an immediate yes. And I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yes. It was great. Ah, uh, so Bob Bill. So where do you live now? Because you're not in Newton anymore, right? East Kingston. East Kingston. Oh. As of June. Wow. Oh, nice. Yep. Shortened my commute to Manchester. There you go. Which was great. Oh, so the bike shop's in Manchester. Uh, one is in Salem, one's in Manchester. Okay, yeah, because so. I remember the Salem one. Uh, yep. Hearing I'm, about it. Yep. And I've seen the Salem one. Haven't seen the Manchester one. Because I don't go to Manchester. So I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. Manch Vegas. It, dude, Manch Vegas. Holy shit. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> what's, uh, the, uh, what's the venue they have up there? Is that the Verizon? There's the Verizon Center. There's Jewel. Oh, yeah, um, I remember Jewel. Yeah. Some other places. Uh, I don't know if the... There's a tavern. Millie's Tavern. Millie's that Tavern. The that's the one, isn't they, it? They had the stage with the poles yes. in the way. Yes. I don't know if that's still operating. I think it is. It might be a different name now. Who knows? <laughs> we play, My old band played a show at Millie's. This is like 15 years ago. And Is that the one where his antenna got bent? What? Where his antenna got bent? On his car? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, finish your story. You actually, right it ahead. may have been. I, th- I do remember some incident with the car, but the first time we went, uh, the sound situation was like horrible. And then the second time, I don't know what they did. It was like years later, and it sounded really good. But I do remember the poles always obstructing, which is hilarious because it's a stage that they deliberately put there for people to look at. Yeah, the poles were the poles were pretty inexcusable, pretty egregious. Yeah. Yeah, but that the story I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure that's where it was, was we were like loading the gear back into the car. Yeah. <clears throat> and the car was like parked, you know, kind of near the door. I know. I, yeah, that was at Millie's. And there was an entire car's length next to it. Easy, easy to go around. The guy goes, move your car. And we're like, bro, there's plenty of room, man. Just go around. And he gets out of his car, walks up to... Casey's or Mike's car and just bends the yes. antenna. Yeah, that was at Millie's. And then ends up driving around anyway. It sounds like <laughs> Manchester. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very Manchester thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Our first month in Manchester, somebody uh, threw a rock through the window and stole some bikes. And no. was caught riding the bikes about a few hundred feet from the shop the same day with, with the price tags. In, oh, no in his way. Pocket. 
Are you kidding me? There's nothing to throw through the window in the parking lot because our landlord's smart. So this guy went across the street and yanked a rock out of the stone wall. Jesus. Probably about twice the size of my head. Oh, my God. Shucked it through the window and stole some bikes. Steal some good bikes? And then he, like, returned to the scene of the crime on a bike? He was just riding the bike around the neighborhood (laughs) like nothing went wrong. Not far from the so shop. So he didn't like lay low, put the bikes in his basement for a few few weeks. No. He, he goes back to the shop. He's like, hey, man, just got this bike. It's got some, a low tire. Can you put some air in it? <laughs> I have a picture. I have his I was going to say, shot. did you post something about this? Because I remember, I feel like a robbery sounds familiar to me. I think I like posted his mug shot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, jeez. Some people, you can't fix stupid. So who actually apprehended him? Like who saw him running by? Was it Manchester's finest? So it was the cops. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Good to know those tax dollars are being used properly. I wonder if he's got any uh, things about bending antennas on his rap sheet. Ooh. I'm sure he does. That's a good point. <laughs> Probably does. That's the purpose. No. Oh, wow. Way. We need to put that on our Instagram. It's like the huh? bass player of Ambry. Yeah, it does. <laughs> wow. That Did is, you get that uh, reference? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, dude. I was you, hoping it did. He just references some random local <laughs> band from our high school. Well, he <laughs> laughed like he got it. But um, so the turnout of the open mic reunion was fantastic. It was fantastic. I really like that venue, Beowulf. That's a great place we to do that. We liked it so yeah. much we bought Beowulf's beer. Nice. Yeah, I really like their beer too. Because a lot of times I like beer. I'm a beer drinker, but I don't have like an impressive like palate. Like I couldn't call myself a beer snob. Right. Because a lot of beer, I'm like, it's okay. You're in the golden age of beer right now if you're a right. beer drinker. Exactly. But uh but this place I really like their beers. And the venue I feel like they dressed up the venue since last year. I feel like they it did. It feels too, like more they? of a like, oh, people come here to drink and have live music where last year I feel like it was like the whole music thing was kinda new at the time. More secondary. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even tertiary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. And they're painted ruck. The painted rug is just fantastic. It gets me every time. Yeah, you you got you really got to have one if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna be a venue hosting live music. He's absolutely correct, folks. Ski ball. Yes, Pac-Man. I saw the ski ball. Yeah, Galaga. Yeah. It's great. Board games and their bathroom situation is nice too. I yeah, did like not it. bad yeah. at all. It's not yeah. like the chit chat where you need to like move the bass player's headstock to go take a piss if you're a girl. <laughs> Can bring dogs. Yes, yeah. dog friendly. Yeah, that's another brewery thing. It would suck to really like micro brews, but be allergic to dogs. Yeah, because you would just be toast. The breweries can do that because they don't serve food, right? So, oh, is that the caveat for yeah. the no dogs allowed? If you have a kitchen that serves food, you can't have dogs in the really? building. Really? Yep. Interesting. Oh, that's funny. You learn something new every day, don't you? I know. Wow, look at that. My wife was a bartender at a beer house that allowed dogs. Ah, oh, so that's how you knew the uh, the policy. Yep, the inside scoop. Yep. There's a lot of dogs running around there. Mm-hmm. What kind of you don't know the type of your dog, right? It's uh, kind of like a mystery. Rousey uh, is a chocolate awesome. Nice. A chocolate awesome. I like it. So it's definitely some lab, definitely some kind of terrier. Yep. Julie wanted to get a DNA test, but I, I nixed it because I didn't want to find out no, if you I want, was her yeah. real dad or not. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> or or yeah, you didn't you were really afraid you'd find out you were her dad. Right. That would be way. That would be way worse news. <laughs> that would be terrible. Uh, no, she's a good dog. So, what's uh, your studio? Do you, you have like a like a proper studio in the same vein as like last time, or is it kind of just you got 
Your, uh, own, your own little setup. The space is awesome. Sweet. So above the garage, there's a giant space that I think the previous people that had the house, that was where they watched the Patriots. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. And uh, they drank while they painted. Ooh, So there's nice. this terrible paint job that starts out neat, and as you work your way across <laughs> the wall, it gets worse it and worse. It just deviates. It's like... Yeah, zero drinks, six drinks, 12 drinks, 18 <laughs> drinks, and then like they're just throwing the paintbrush at the wall. And <laughs> nice. Te- it looks terrible. So it goes from like a nice like Rembrandt, uh, Rembrandt to like a Picasso that just accidentally faded into just worse. It's abstraction. It's hard to explain. You got to see it. Okay. But the space is beautiful. It sounds great. Um, uh, can rehearse up there, can record up there. My intention Sweet. was to take a week or two off this winter and start building iso booths but there wasn't much of winter right it's been yeah true it's been great yep i uh yeah it's been fucking really nice this last two days you know i hope this is just how it is from now on that'd be nice that'd be a convenient truth i think if it was always this warm but uh so did you record bands like this past year or not really uh did demos for the screen, my band. Yep. Yep. Um, and then uh, did some mixing and mastering projects that were tracked elsewhere. Nice. And, uh, uh, mixed an indie film for my cousin Mark Battle. Yeah. And uh, is that the one that you uh, assisted, assisted on? In, yes. Which one did you assist on? Um, the convict. The convict. Okay. Yeah. Does he always do the premiere at that place in Ainsbury? Whenever Does, he finishes. Uh, the, mo- the most recent one was in Concord. Oh, sweet. Yep. Nice man, that's a fun thing doing yeah. foley. That was really cool. Yeah, I gotta see these. Are they shorts or are they? Uh... They're all usually under fifteen minutes. Cool. Um, yeah, if you want to make your film fit into kind of the festival format, yep. Uh, the shorter the better. Yeah, and similar to radio, obviously. Right. You know, if you want to break into radio, you're not going to break into radio with an 11 minute song. No, right. exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to earn that. Yep. We have a buddy who just won, uh, won a festival in like Washington state. With awesome. One of his yeah. Nick Natale. Nick Natale. <laughs> oh. uh, but it's like about, uh, Alaska. Um, there's like these Alaskan games that they do up there that are like crazy things. Like they'll put like, uh, ropes around each other's heads and be on like all fours and like tug. It's so like, like indigenous. I forget the name of the tribe, but it's like this indigenous like Olympics that they have like, like there. their version of the Highland Games. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. It is pretty cool. It's probably pretty savage. Yeah, yeah. it's actually a really good documentary. And there's one where they like hang like a ball from the ceiling, and you have to like jump and kick it with like two feet. I've like, seen that like one. That. Yeah, oh, I've seen that game. Yeah. It's intense. The neck thing really gets me though. We'll have to show you later because it's like I'd be laid up for like three weeks if yep. I tried mm. to do this. I like when you say how it would affect you, like as if you're on the level of like a no, I'm high not. Performing That's why. Well, right. No, no. I know that I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. Well, it's good to have self awareness. But uh, yeah. So what's going on with uh, with the screen? You guys gigging out a lot? Uh, we'll be at the press room in Portsmouth on April third with oh, Wizardus. That's oh. probably the best venue. Probably north of Boston right now, in my opinion, for, really? for local bands and, and traveling bands that are not like uh, opera house sized acts. It's great. Oh, no shit. They, uh, were you guys ever at the press room before they kind of remodeled and re-opened? No, we never really get, we played at like, forget where we played. It, it's it a so pretty iconic ago. room. Like a lot. Yeah, I would have remembered A it. lot of awesome jazz. Big names played there. Um, Seacoast bands. Sweet. And the old room was kind of more folk vibe 
Okay. And uh, they had these big old picture windows, and as Portsmouth became more gentrified and noise yep. ordinances were put in place, loud rock shows didn't work as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of clubs closed. Uh, well, not closed. The restaurants continued to be restaurants, but stopped having live music. Right. And uh, the new press room, uh, they just built this beautiful room. There's a balcony. So the seating upstairs, seating downstairs, awesome sound system. Oh, that's awesome. Beautiful stage. So. Yeah, because that's what you were saying about venues. Because I was thinking, it was think it was like the Blue Mermaid or something. I played the Blue Mermaid. That was the sh- That was the only show in Portsmouth I think I've played, and that yep. was a while ago. But like you said, that was like a restaurant that kind of had live right. music. Yep, and it was wasn't really venue. Right, it, it wasn't like it, a it proper was great venue. for like acoustic trio, yes. acoustic duo, rock ensemble. You'd right, be yeah. kind of over the right. top. Right, if I had like a horn section, I probably wouldn't book a show there. Yeah. That's so, where we benefit because we can fit in like a tiny little corner of a whatever sized restaurant yeah yep. dude he's a drummer and he drives a fucking coupe yep. yeah yeah and it works yeah but shows you how it's a sign of your commitment thanks dude <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a sign of your proficiency too <laughs> yeah you don't need two kick drums and four mounted toms and I a sure don't. cage full of cymbals yeah and just no he doesn't and that's more expense bones. i don't want the expense either yeah you but know? you don't even need it i don't no i don't know what to do with it just overkill yeah you just kick snare floor tom yeah. Hell, oh, I use it. I use the use the rack sometimes. Use the rack every once in a while if there's yep. space. You know, mm. I'll bust it out. That's my favorite setup. Yeah, it's all you need. Three to four pieces. Yep. Yep. It's funny. I remember too, like in I don't know high school and stuff. I would go through symbols like it's nobody's business. I'd just break them all the time. Mm. Yeah. Just because I would. That's like the st- the style of music I was listening to at the time, and now it's like I just you know don't have to really replace things because I'm not a, a yeah. Fucking that lunatic. was like the fucking Travis Barker obsession yes. hit everything because even when in my old band I would get hit with like a fucking custom A chip <laughs> would just come flying <laughs> in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how is this necessary? And all the right? Tom heads were all dimpled. Yeah, look, literally like acne pock marks. Yes, yep. yes, yeah. exactly. Now yeah. I've had the same symbol for like eight years, and it's perfectly fine. Yep. Hopefully I'll have it for another eight years, and it won't be even cracked at all. You will. You'll have it forever now. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. It'll be vintage. Now that you know how to hit things. Yes. It took a while to learn, <laughs> but now I can hit things. So what's the name of the bike shop for uh, for the folks at home that may need a... Cycles, etc. Oh, yeah. Salem Cycles and Manchester. Et yeah, that's right. Cycles, etc. turns 30 April 1st. 30? Oh. Holy shit. That's awesome, dude. I keep so on listening laugh. It's bad. We gotta move Who that. started? Uh, original owner was Mark Hetzer. Okay. Who is a bike racer and son of uh, also a bike shop owner. So that was in their family. My brother and I started working there in 1995. He was 12 and I was 18. He wasn't old enough for working papers, so he struck a deal with the owner that he could take a bicycle in a box, a BMX bike, drag it home to my parents' house, build it there, because he didn't have working papers. There's right. no legal way for him to he work. He was an undocumented worker. And, and then bring the bike back to the bike shop to get critiqued on how well he built it. Oh, Look at that. And he got $2 a bike. Nice. Yeah. In store credit. Nice. At retail. <laughs> he was 12? <laughs> he was 12. So he, he wanted a GT Interceptor in Chrome, and he built 90 bikes. Jeez. Dragged them down the street. Built them, walked them back, took the critique, took the information, built the next one better, built the next one better. And by the time he earned the GT Interceptor, he was a 12-year-old 
bike mechanic that yeah. was probably better than most 20 something year old bike mechanics. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. How far was the drag? Uh, maybe 150 yards. Okay. Not, not epic. Yep. It wasn't like the passion of the Christ. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause I was a, a BMXer. Is that what you say in the biz? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> love how, I love how reluctantly he... <laughs> is, that, is that right? Um, but like in, I don't know, probably high schoolish. But um, And I remember I was going to like the Schwinn store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sawyer's. And hey, yes. Well, yep. Riverside yep. took over that space. And then eventually someone was like, oh, you should go to Cycles, et cetera. I was like, where's this? And then I went. I don't even remember which one it was. I think it was probably Salem. Is Salem new or was it there? Salem's been in salem since 1990 okay april 1st 1990 i think that's where i went the third or fourth location now but always in salem and that was like the first time i saw like the sweet gear that i look at online in a store like the slam bars and the pitchfork and like the snafu seats and all that shit the standard frames and the mcneils the odyssey pedals and s&ms yep and i just had a had a heyday Ended up buying a mosh frame i don't know if those are even still around giant only made bmx bikes for a brief window when it was like the real peak in bmx which was like what the early 2000s uh say 90s 80s 90s maybe early 2000s and basically once we kind of ran out of iconic heroes in the x yeah. games and stuff we had like dave mira matt hoffman yep folkler yeah um nyquist yeah yeah nate wessel all these guys that were just pushing the envelope and driving the sport and inspiring people. And then at some point, I don't, know, I don't know what happened. Off. It kind of tapered off really quick and went back to the underground. Yep. And uh, the BMXers like to blame scooters. <laughs> oh, and the Razor came along? The Everybody Razor was scooters, toast? It was way easier to do a tail whip on a yeah, scooter. So yeah. everyone was like, screw this bike. I can tail whip a scooter all day. And you can just throw it in your trunk. Yeah. Yep. I uh, Recently, because I was, I don't remember why I was up there, but I was like up in Rye over where Rye Airfield was. And I was like, oh shit. So I pulled in. I was like, I got to just look around for a bit, just go down memory lane. And the, uh, they had the racetrack and like the dirt jumps and shit, completely overgrown. Yep. It's just like a grass field with yeah, mounds what? Now. I mean, I guess everything, you know, there obviously are fads in the world, but it is weird how quickly that tapered off. Right. Did you go inside the Rye Airfield? I didn't. I didn't have, I it would didn't have, have been balls. mostly scooters. Really? Yeah. There's scooter gangs in Manchester. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. One of our one of our reps uh, is a dirt jumper. So he, he when he was in the Manchester area, he'd go to the skate park with his dirt jump bike. And there was like BMX kids and Razor scooter kids. And the Razor scooter kids were starting it with the BMX kids. And one of the Razor scooter kids tased the BMX kid, like pulled out a taser and zapped him right in the middle of Are the park. Are you serious? I am absolutely serious. So obviously, like in a normal society, the pecking order would go from scooter to and graduate to BMX. But yeah, it'd be they, like skaters and BMX are at the top of the food chain. Yes. And skaters and rollerbladers are at the yes. bottom. That was where it was when we grew up. Because I remember being... That's a, how it should be. <laughs> I don't understand. So there's like scooter gangs that take themselves seriously? Dude, I almost got shook down by a scooter gang. Are you kidding me? I, yeah, I was riding down the rail trail. Um, by myself. <laughs> this is still like this is this like, is like a two recent... years ago. Jeez. There's a rail trail that leaves Manchester and goes into Goffstown, and I was riding it. And uh, the, some of the kids know the bike shop. They come to the bike shop, and I'm riding up to this bridge by the Biscataquag, and all these kids are hanging out with their scooters, and they start to like close, close in. in and close off the trail. And it's like almost like the Beat It video, but worse. Right. And I'm like, do they all have toothpicks hanging out of their mouth? 
No, no toothpicks. Okay. But I'm like, holy shit, I'm in my 40s and I'm going to have to like... You're going to be accosted by a bunch of scooters. I'm going to be beat up by a bunch of 13-year-olds on a railroad track. I've never seen that. As I pulled up, one of the kids goes, guys, guys, step back. It's the guy from the bike shop. He fixed your scooter, man. Leave him alone. Ah, so I love how... So you have clout. But like, I like how if you were... I had a little bit of street capital because there was a couple (laughs) of kids that I helped out with their scooters. But like, if if you'd never had helped them with their scooters, I wonder what they would have done. They were chest out. They were like starting to, you know, chest out and hands out, walk up to me like, sup, bro? I don't even know what I would do there. Would you just speed up? Well, wasn't also the whole point of being like a, you know, a BMX or a skateboarder is that like you were like tough. You didn't need a fucking taser to handle things. Like I feel like the the taser is like in and of itself, like a surrender that you are not tough. I I agree with you. I feel like that's just kind of, you're kind of just throwing, you're like a white flag while you're tasing someone. (laughs) Yep. That is so weird. Well, I remember at the parks, the rollerbladers were the ones that were like, ah, this fucking guy. You know what I mean? Right. We looked down upon the rollerblades. But even roller skating is way cooler than scootering. So I also, so I went from biking. I mean, so when I was a skateboarder, I hated the bikers and the rollerbladers. When I got on a bike, I was cool with the skateboarders, but we still all hated the rollerbladers. Right. And then scooters came in and they're usually just like little kids and you're like, oh, cute. Because I feel but, like to to be a competent skateboarder, you get your ass kicked acquiring those skills. Oh, for sure. Where I feel like the best... It's like I always say, like the world's best ukulele player and the worst ukulele player are really only like a year of practice apart. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that would be the same with scooters. You know what I mean? It's like oh, yeah. if, if all I needed to do, if I could quit my job and just focus all my time on mastering the scooter... I feel like I'd be pretty competent fairly quickly. You, you, I could not say the same for You skating. could go pro in like a year. Right. Yeah. You give me a skateboard, and I'm never going to catch up to nope. anybody. Nope. I wish I could find my old scooter videos. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty good. Dude. Oh, man. I skateboarded. I scootered. I BMX. I don't know. I never really rollerbladed them that much. Though. But usually you can kind of like society lets you know if what you're doing is cool. If like girls are attracted to it. That's, That's kind of like I've been wrong about test. that all my life. <laughs> but like like my rule of thumb is if if it's not a category on a porn site, it means guys don't like it because I feel like. <laughs> Name anything. If guys like it, it's going to wind up on a porn site. You yes. know what I mean? And like, there's no porn category of, of girls FaceTiming a guy at 10 o'clock at night. So that means that they don't <laughs> like it. Yep. But the same thing with scooters. Like, I don't know one girl that wouldn't... If if <clears> you, if if her boyfriend was out scootering and someone said, where's your boyfriend? I don't think she could, with an unblushed, confident face, say, oh, he's out scootering. He's scooting. Yep. Right? Yep. And again, if you like the scooter, that's fine. I'm not casting, you know, judgment on it. But if you're gonna have a gang whose, you know, whole premise is that you scoot around, even the verb scoot is yeah. like, like you know, it's I like know. If someone's in a seat that you know I bought a movie ticket for, I just say scoot. Like it's yeah. like it's the most like beta male kind of term. <laughs> you know what I mean? I also thought I was pretty wise because I took. You know how, like, if you had the wheelie bar on the old razors, the you'd have to get the extended. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. The yeah. extended pin, whatever you call yeah. it. Yep. Um, so I took my wheelie bar off and was like, "Oh, this is extra long." And then I stacked ball bearings on one side and made pegs. 
Um, on the back. Wait, you made front. pegs on a scooter? Yeah, so I had pegs on one side of my scooter on the front and the back. Are are razors even around, or are those like Beanie Babies? Those just died out. Um, like the actual brand. I think they're still around. I'm right? sure they're still around. The thing is, but though, like when you when people bring scooters to for you to fix them, it's never. They're a not razor. razors. Yeah. No, the razors, the scooters they make now for the stunt scooting are pretty rugged. That's good. Okay, yeah. so they at least look cooler than the than the razors. They look exactly the same. Oh, okay, they're but they're just, just rugged. Okay, okay. They have like the like the locked handle, like the yeah. They have like an, an inch and an eighth headset with a star nut, and yeah, they're That's not like hardcore. the little. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, with the clip, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I remember, like the first, the original Razor scooter was badass. That thing could take a beating. Well, yeah, because people were going off on like quarter pipes with those things and like doing spin tricks. Yeah, well, then though, Razor eventually like changed their scooter, and then it got to the point where like instead of it being like a hundred and fifty bucks, whatever, when they first came out, they were expensive. Now they were literally like forty bucks. Yeah, and if I. I'd literally go buy one, ride it for three days, and I would literally snap the thing in half. That happened you know? to like everybody. Yeah. So then, if anyone had the old one, I was like, "Dude, I'll literally give you a hundred bucks for that because <laughs> they were so good. They last." It is so funny that like it's it is so unpredictable how big like the Razor scooters were. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, it was. I I was driving through Exeter by a, a bicycle shop called Wheel Power, and I saw in the window it was just yellow. Like eleven, eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper, and they had an S, one letter on each sheet of paper in the window. It said scooters, and I'm like, "Damn, that's so funny." I was managing the shop in Salem uh, at the time, yeah. and I was like, "Okay." So, sure enough, ordered tons of scooters. Yep. Made the same display in the window. <laughs> yep. <laughs> scooters, one letter on each page. We sold. Had to sell like a hundred scooters. In a short amount of months, yeah. And one of the guys that worked with me, we went to ride at Fort Rock and Exeter. And we rode by that bike shop, and he saw the display. <laughs> he's like, "Did you see this place before?" <laughs> like, no, I just had I had my finger on the pulse of America's youth. Yep. Just I just knew. Yep. You s- you still sell scooters now? No, no. Nope. Is that is it because it's dying out? Or you I just actually gave away because you don't last... want to abet scooter crime. We had old, new, old stock scooter stuff that had been sitting around for years, and I gave away the last scooter part uh, this winter. Really? To a kid in the neighborhood who mugged you, your wife, uh, the next day. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. East Kingston scooter kid. Okay, all right. different than Manchester Liver scooter breed. gangs. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, where do you um like ride usually? Uh, there's trails in East Kingston. There's trails in Exeter at Fort Rock. Uh, on the way to the bike shop, I can hit uh, Hampstead. There's uh, East Hampstead and West Hampstead networks. Um, and Famba by uh, Lake Massabesic. And then kind of in any direction from Manchester is Horse Hill, is in Merrimack, Musquash is in Londonderry. So there's a trail network in almost every town yeah. where you yeah. can get in a good hour hours workout. Some are better than others. but That's why I like that area yep. up there. So is it mostly like downhill type stuff or just like uh mostly roly poly single track. Yeah. And uh yeah, you you have to get to where the topography's a little bigger to get some big descents. Yeah. Really big descents. So if you head north, um High, nice. Highland Mountain has lift service riding. Um Killington has lift service riding. Really? Yeah. I feel like downhill would scare the shit out of me. But I feel like little bits of ups and downs and flowy shit would be fun. Yeah. Well, there's flowy shit on the mountains too. They yeah. you know, it's kinda like a ski mountain, there's bunny slopes that are 
you know? Yeah. Somebody that's never mountain biked before could go to Highland, rent a bike, take a one hour course and survive what we call the litter box, like cat scratch fever and cat's paw and freedom trail and just cruise down that stuff and, uh, you know, have a grand old time without flying through the air and doing anything super intimidating and get a good introduction of a sport without being demoralized. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Because uh, Nick Natale's got, I don't know what the fuck it is, but he's got like a pretty nice mountain bike and he had it at Pete's <laughs> wedding. And like anytime we were just like hanging out, I was like riding his fucking bike around and it was so addicting. Yeah. Just like all the shocks and like it doesn't matter what, how steep the fucking hill is, the gears, you can just paddle. The make bikes it up. are really capable. They're what's, awesome. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite uh, bike that you ride around on? I'm usually on a Santa Cruz. Uh, nice. I go back and forth between 5010 and Tallboy. Those are kind of mid trail bikes they're not really cross-country racers and then not really downhill bikes they're kind of a really utilitarian versatile sweet nice and then uh so jess's dad my girlfriend's dad bikes all the time um he does he does yeah i don't know exactly where he goes but he's just a big mountain biker he's got like five bikes he rips and tears but um I have like a little shitty road bike that I ride up here. Mm-hmm. You know, go down and get pizza, whatever. Perfect. And then uh, Jess was like, Dad, let me just like borrow a bike. He's like, all right, take this one. And gave her like one of her mountain bikes, which has like all the shocks and shit. So I'm like cruising along and I'm looking back and she's so far behind me. I'm like, what's up? She's like, this thing just like. <laughs> so I'm like, here, ride my bike. I'll ride this. And it was because like the shocks absorb every fucking pedal you make. And you just like feel like you're walking in sand basically yeah the tires aren't a fair fair contest either if you're on a road bike with a skinny tire yeah you're gonna effortlessly cruise at like probably 15 miles an hour yeah a mountain bike tire with the same effort you're gonna be cruising at like maybe nine (laughs) yeah Yeah. but then we figured out you can lock the shocks and i made it a little easier makes it a little better but the the tires have a lot of drag on the pavement yeah for sure i just picture you looking back and she's like a football so far like sweating i'm like what's up (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So the fat tires are like a big big thing right now. Yeah. Evolve for snow, but fun for everything. So some, oh. some people ride them year-round. Most enthusiasts, it's their winter bike. So it's like November through March, depending on yeah. the where the seasons change. And that's more for like off-roading type riding, or is that Just, every purpose? Uh, you can ride it for anything. You can ride it on sand. You can ride it on trails. But they're funnest when you're on on snow that's been kind of packed in by people riding the trail. So once once the snow's packed in, it's like being on a like a styrofoam roller coaster track. That's Ooh. cool. All the hard edges can... are smoothed out and it's really flowy. Like even the the chunkiest trails get really smooth and flowy once the, you know, the snow's packed and yeah. yeah, it's majestic to be in the woods, you know, in the winter. Oh yeah. At, at night when it's snowing because it's right. always dark in the winter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Super fun. You could see a mountain lion chasing you from a mile away. Uh, mm. <laughs> there's been mountain lions spotted Wait, in New really? Hampshire. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm wow. reading about that. That'd be creepy. Have you encountered any creepy shit in the woods? Um, let's see. Other than those scooter kids, <laughs> yeah, that would be the uh no normal stuff. No, just uh, get follow- followed by an owl once in a while. Porcupines, raccoons, uh, occasionally a coyote. I saw a coyote in Haverhill. Uh, in Winnie Kinney Castle. Yeah. I saw a coyote out there. That surprised the hell out of me. I believe that. But, um, cause I yeah. lived, um, when I lived like over in Methuen, it was like right on the border of Haverhill. Yep. There were fucking coyotes everywhere. Yep. Yeah. They're everywhere, man. <laughs> they are. Yeah. You could hear them at night, just like packs of them. Yep. Yeah. 
Do you have cats too? Two cats. Yeah. I feel like I'd be a little bit nervous if I had cats around Cody. So they just always uh, stay indoors. Uh, ours are indoor cats. Yeah. Why? Yes. They're probably way too domesticated and ill-equipped Ill- Ill- to. Yeah, I'm always confused by the just the concept of an outdoor cat. Because it's like you just open the door. Like my neighbor, my next door neighbor growing up had like four outdoor cats and they were just never home. Yep. Go like, two or three days without seeing the cat. Yeah. It's like this is, you don't know like what this thing's getting into. Yeah. It's a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I guess it's cool. Jess's cat is a hybrid. It like goes out whenever it wants, but it always comes back. See, I feel like that's, that's the case with like a, a hefty bulk of, of cats. But you'll come back and they'll be like, you know, a severed bird head on your <laughs> right, on right your floor or whatever. <laughs> right. I brought you your a gift. Cats are murderers. Yeah. yeah. They kill billions, billions of birds and mice and yeah, rodents they do. a year. Really controlling the varmint problem. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, uh, when during World War One with the trench warfare, when the rats were really bad, the U.S. military sent in a bunch of cats because they were like, oh, we'll cure the rat problem. But the rats were so vicious that they ended up killing the cats. No shit. That's how big these things were. Oh, my God. It should be terrifying. I love how you've told that story like four times, but I'm somehow still surprised that that's what happened. <laughs> but I always picture them just like dropping like 400 cats with little parachutes. I know. Like imagine just... that. Imagine like piloting that plane. <laughs> You're going to like the southern France with like a shit ton of cats. Uh, just throwing them out one at a time. Yeah. Cats are cool, though, but they're less dependent on you. So they I feel like they don't. You know, they don't give you the same reward. There's not it's the less, same emotional exchange with a dog, the, I think. Yeah, the relationship is less warm. Right. Cats, cats are like roommates. Yes. And dogs are like family members. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting way to Well, because dogs aren't even like children. They're like actual babies. Like they're so, I feel like they're just so just emotionally dependent. And loyal. Right. Like, Oh, yeah. You can be the... Biggest piece of shit, and your dog's still going to love you. Yep. Dog will die for you. Yep. Yep. He's absolutely right, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe those scooter kids should have just got dogs and just stayed in the house and just took care of that rather yeah. than roaming the streets. I wonder if scooter crime is like a, an actual category of crime. Through the roof. There'll be a movie someday. Yeah, yeah. imagine. <laughs> the least cool movie ever. It'll be like the gleaming the cube of scooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they figured out though to make them make the scooters beefier, because I literally would snap the fucking weld. Off. No, I know what you mean though. There definitely was a, um, uh, like when they first came out, they had some integrity to them, like yeah. physically. But I feel like yeah, there was like that second wave that came in, where right you would do like there. a trick, and then the handlebars would just snap. They would like sit. They would end up sitting way further back because they would just start bending, and then you could like just basically wiggle it to the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it just had that little quick release thing that held. Yeah, because they were collapsible. Yeah, and all the joints that were collapsible made yep. them kind of weak and rickety. And yeah. like the metal was like so thin. Yep, sixteenth of an inch maybe. I don't know. I'm not good at this. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> Man, so how did it? Uh, did it feel like you had stepped back into your shoes as as the chit chat? Are you so far um, removed from those days that like you can actually just? It felt perfect. Yeah, it felt good. amazing. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. About the only difference was I had to move the PA system. Right, right. But other than right. that, it felt exactly like the open mic. Is yep. show up early, set everything up, organize the list. You know, and is that your? That's your PA that we used, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, and then just you know keep. 
whoever's on deck, make sure they know they're on deck. Yeah. Remind people, have your instruments tuned and ready to take the stage. We've got 15 minutes, including, yep. you know, set up and strike. And you got to keep it moving. I think the funniest part, looking back, is like when we do, like what we just did, like the reunion type thing. It's so funny how all those people there were just in my weekly roster. Like every Tuesday, yep. I would just see these people. Yep. And it's so weird <laughs> seeing Mudflap, a guy I saw literally more than my own parents for like four years in a row. Mm -hmm. And then like I haven't seen him since the last year. Right. Like when we did it. Yeah. And um, it's just so funny. Yeah. Although I'm still mad at Ryan Sawyer for, for not showing up. Oh, he was sick. I know. He got something. Could be Corona. Could be. But um, I haven't heard of any cases in, uh, in he, Exeter. He was though. part of the reason the first reunion happened. He, oh, did he? I just stumbled into him. He was uh, getting a bike repaired at the Salem store. And he lives not far from there. Yeah, because he's in Exeter, right? Uh, he's Ryan he? Sawyer's in Windham. Oh. He lives in a farmhouse about... Two houses that, up from the house I grew up in. Is that new, or was he always there? Like even in like the chit chat days. No, he's been there long enough to give it a really weird paint job and put a piano. <laughs> in Exterior the front weird paint job. Oh yeah, it's what, like it's what? like pink, purple, and magenta. Yeah, it sounds. It's like, wild. Yeah, it's so so anti Windham. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. He is so funny. Yeah, yep. man, we miss the chit chat. We we haven't we refused. We've like all boycotted it. Which, not necessarily, like, we all got together, we're like, hey, let's boycott the chit-chat. It's just right. everyone you talk to, they're like, I just haven't gone back. No, it's it's not the same. It's the same no. bricks and it's the same wood, but the people in the room are what made it special, you know? Right. Eric Froberg and then Tyler Ryan. Before Eric Froberg, it was yeah. uh, Mark Spencer. Yeah, uh, I remember Spencer. Spencer and, taught uh, me golf. Oh, yeah. I was wondering yeah. if it was the same guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Lo local legend. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer's great. I think he's the pro at Wyndham again. He was he was at Atkinson. He was at Wyndham and Atkinson, then Wyndham again. I think. Yep. But um, yeah. But that was the thing. It always exchanged hands. But like everybody had the decorum to change the name. I mean, uh, not change the name. Yep. And kind of just keep the the actual goings on the same. Yeah. It was the Chit Chat Lounge started in 1958. Yeah. And it was live music without a cover charge until right. like 2017, I think, is when Moonshiners occurred. Was it 17 or 18? Yeah, it was around either either one. It was yeah. around there, so but it was Mark Spencer's uh, family. Uh, his mom was Marge, and Marge's brother's name was Gary. And they were—I can't remember Gary's last name. That would be Marge's maiden name. But that family owned the Chit Chat forever. Okay, and they all worked. Day jobs, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah, and then the chit chat was something they did. They all took shifts at night doing their thing, and I, and I think you can like you could feel that too. Yeah, it was it was a it was like this little enterprise that this blue collar family all right. kind of did their part to keep it going, and the community was the music downstairs, and then yep. there was like forty fives one night a week upstairs, yep. and uh, the uh, the arc of the chit chat was really interesting to be a part of. Uh, yeah, dude, yeah. and I feel like. Yeah, it just had that vibe. Like it was almost like when, when it changed hands, it was like you could just feel it right away. Yeah. Like ooh, there's like a sinister vibe to this kind of thing going on. Yeah, the the family that owned it after them, they didn't quite get it. Right. Yeah, and it's such a uh, blown opportunity where you have this probably the biggest community of like concentrated musicians, and nowhere for them to go. It seems like such a Stupid thing to be like. All right, well, we're not gonna we're gonna shut this down. Yep. It was good when Joe got it. 
Because Joe, Joe is genuine and authentic. Yes. I like trying yeah. really hard to keep like make it music. work. Yeah. Yep. And it, then he just didn't keep it long enough. If he just like still had it, it'd be great. But yeah. Because he like when he got it, he like kind of like did little things like you know fixed like the ripped foam in the back, did like a new mixer, shit yeah. like yep. that. I don't think he ever anticipated owning. No, a, a nightclub or a bar. I think it kind of came with the building, and yes, right. He, he was like, "Okay, let's try this." Right, yeah. and yeah. I think he did a really good job. And yeah, yeah. You know, I like Joe a lot. Supposedly, he still owns the building. I forget who told us that. I think I told you that because I heard it from a scooter gang. No, I forget who told me that. Um, <laughs> but uh, and to be honest, uh, I mean, I may be judging it unfairly because I haven't stepped foot since it's changed hands. Um, but every time I walk by there, there's like strobe lights and a DJ like holding his right headphone <laughs> up to his ear. Is it Julian? Uh, it may be. I never mm, got the, close enough to actually find out. The, the DJ from years ago. It it probably is, honestly, because I imagine it's probably a, a small knit group of DJs that have monopolized that place. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. And even the name Moonshiners. Like, we didn't need another one of those. <clears throat> I mean, like, could you come up with a more cliche, like, just, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And the thing is, the chit chat, its bones almost require it to be what it was. Like, the chit chat's never going to be some ritzy piece of real estate that just needs a facelift. Like, it's a wet hallway. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it almost it almost demands it. it just demands to be kept as yeah. as what yeah. it was used for. It's like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of yes. bars. That's part of its it charm. Was, it was special yeah. because of what it meant, exactly. not, not because it was fancy or there was nice stuff in it or Yep. But. And the Chichet had a thing where its reputation preceded itself. Like nobody walked into the Chichet and was like, Oh, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, everybody that went to the Chit Chat knew exactly what it was, and that's why they went there. I walked by the Chit Chat many times before I went in. Yep. Because it was a little scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I used to play at Keon's next door yeah. as a solo acoustic I act. I love Keon's. Oh, you did? Yeah. Where would they even have you set up? Like, the, by the windows? In, in the windows. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I would always peek in the Chit Chat, and it was always, I don't know, it was, it, it was, I always thought it was like, man, it's creepy seedy guys on stage playing guitar and harmonica yeah. and not a lot of people in the room and it was dark and right and it's definitely that, intimidating if you've never been there it didn't feel warm looking for looking from the sidewalk in and right. eventually all those people that i thought were seedy and creepy ended up you know my friends yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah it was a good it was a good time man yeah that started with um i was playing with a band called mr vertigo and, yeah, uh, uh, we played the open mic to try and get basically a weekend spot. That's how a lot of places do it. Come play the open mic, and you know, we'll book you. And we played the open mic, and Mark Spencer was the bartender, and he's like, "You guys want Wednesday nights?" And they're like, "Does it pay money?" It's like, "Yep." Then yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we played Wednesday night as an acoustic trio for about three years, and. That gathered some momentum. The place was packed every Wednesday night. And it was before uh, the uh, fire in Rhode Island at that club. Remember the? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The Great White played. So before yep. Yep. that fire, um, on the weekends, we would have like 150, 
160 oh, people shit. packed in there. The upstairs would be full with something else going on. Yep. And uh, and then that fire happened, and the Just, you know to, to be safe, it makes sense to be safe, but right. it was kind of a bummer because all of a sudden that room was rated for 80, and they had to sit at the door and go clickety clack. Yeah, that sucks. It was kind of fun to pack 160 people yeah, in there. Yeah. I know that's another thing that you don't think about too. It's like like you said, like it's nice to be safe. Yeah. But you definitely sacrifice a lot of the vibe, like a packed club yeah. when it you're packed like sardines and the band is awesome and the crowd's kind of pushing you around. That's a that's a good feeling. A hundred percent. And then all of a sudden, like even when the room is at capacity, it still looks like it's half full because it's Yeah, like, and that's a major like even dude, we went to um I forget who we said some show at House of Blues that was like sold out and I was like why am I like comfortable temperature wise? Yep. I'm at a show. Yep, it should and, like, be hot. It should be yeah. packed. Uh, I was like, why am I like still wearing my coat on and not being miserable? Like, <laughs> I it, should it, be pissed because there's dreadlocks in my face and some guy keeps like bumping into right. Me. Like some guy's disgusting, sweaty like belly should be like bumping into right. my arm. Yeah, and it was just not. It's not the same. But I don't know. They closed the upstairs for a while after that fire too, because the uh, the city decided that you needed a separate water main for separate floors. What? And to put in a separate water main for the second floor was gonna cost some ungodly amount of money and tear up the sidewalk. Yeah. So the Doherty's that bought the chit chat right. after. Yeah. Um, one of the good things that they did is that uh, was kind of when Steve, we came Steve, in. Was Steve the was a contractor and yeah. Basically, on his own dime, because of what his other business was, could put in that second water main and yep. get the second floor going again. And yep. uh, you guys probably saw the water mains in the basement after that project. They were yeah. pretty yeah. substantial. It looked yeah. like Bioshock down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. And that was when Ty Ryan locked himself in the freezer, too. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Dude, I Tell fucking me that story. Luckily, I didn't hear this one. I luck. So, like, you know, <laughs> we just come in, what's up, Ty? We, like, start setting shit up. He would go down, do yeah, this shit. Yeah, this is at, like, probably, like, 6.30. He, like, starts stalking the bar and shit. And then, like, I'm running up and down, grabbing shit. I'm, like, making my, like, my last trip down to get, like, the fucking bass drum or something. And I hear, like, yo. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, super, super far away. <laughs> and I was, like, what the fuck? So I, like, open the the freezer. And I'm, like, what the fuck? And it's it's Ty standing there. There's oh, no space in the freezer. He it's tiny. Like, he had yeah. a, like. Uh, he was straddling a keg. Yeah. Yep. Basically sitting on a keg. He's, like, bro, I just somehow got fucking locked in here. <laughs> I was, like, oh, my God. So he, like, was able to get out. And he was, like, if you didn't hear me, who fucking knows how long I would have been in here? Jeez. Dude, that's terrifying. It is. That's, like, a nightmare. Dude. It is weird that those doors can even lock from the inside. Well, they're supposed to be, like, a release. Yeah, like, this, yeah. like, huge button. But I guess it doesn't work. Damn. <laughs> I just remember that. When you were, like, you come up and Ty's, like, shivering. <laughs> I was like, oh, what happened? You're like, oh, he just locked himself in the freezer. That's scary. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, and the upstairs always had like an identity crisis because yeah. I feel like when I started playing at the Chit Chat originally with my friend, we they would do like acoustic shows upstairs. And then it would be like a gay bar for six months, and then it would just <clears> not be a gay bar anymore. And then, it would go, some... then it would go back, and I was like, they. I feel like everyone was always unsure what yep. was going on upstairs. Sometimes it would be private parties. Yep. So I feel like, I don't know. It was odd, because I like the room upstairs. Yeah, yeah, the room cool. was good. Um, before the Doherty's, when it was still the Spencer family, yep. uh, if you were doing like a CD release, 
Right. Basically, you do the pre-party upstairs, and Marge would cook a ton of shit. She would just like fill these, you know, the pans with the sterno yep. under them, yeah. with like lasagna and ravioli and shit, and have a bunch of food up there. Oh, and, like, that's cool. All the people would come, you know, hang out with the band and listen to the CD beforehand, and yep. and pack the upstairs for the the pre-game, and then go downstairs and play a show. And oh, that's awesome. It's it super cool. That's like a dream, right? It's there. just weird because I feel like people are always going to be in bands and play live music. Like that's not something that's going to go away. Never going to go away. So to cater to that, I don't think is an unwise idea, especially like. Even in Haverhill, between like the Copperhead or whatever it's called this week, and then like RG's, like people are still putting on shows in Haverhill. Yep. Everybody in Haverhill, for the most part, is either in a band or likes to go see live music. Yep. And it's just weird. I get that uh, <clears throat> Moonshiner still has live music, but for every single, like if you took a poll at Beowulf, every single person that all knows each other. It's a network of chit chat people, and I guarantee you, ninety eight percent of that room is like, "Oh yeah, I haven't been to the chit chat since it switched." Yep, and that's a pretty and damning. They're, they're all going to the shows. They're going yes. to two shows. They're, yes, they're, they're all playing shows. Right, but they're not going there and playing it, there anymore. It, yeah, I, I haven't been there. I don't know what the new I haven't owners either. are like or what the room looks like. It's the, the room looks the same. They may have had no. I think it's all the same because even like, Joe put in the. Lighting, uh, all the multicolored uh, LEDs and stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember. I think they, like, put, like, a drop ceiling in and shit. Oh, maybe they did. I haven't actually been But I haven't been up that old tin ceiling. I think so. It's probably better for sound, but right. definitely not better for vibe. Right. No, the vibe's different. Well, because, so the tap inherited Jazz Night. So I'll, I go to Jazz Night on, like, Sundays a lot. Oh, and cool. so that's kind of, like, that was when, so I'd be watching a jazz band at the tap. And then I would look across the street, and that's when I saw like all the strobe lights. It was like the first week it became open. I was like, I thought you were marketing as a country bar. That was at least the marketing campaign that we had, right? right yeah. And uh, and I'm not a I'm not opposed to country music, anyways. But like, then there's just like some strobe light DJ and like three people inside. And I'm like, this is could be fucking jazz night over there. Were they playing like Cotton Eye Joe or <laughs> Yeah, it was like all the cliches of a quinceañera. Like I think yeah. the I think the playlist was just called quinceañera slash prenup wedding. <laughs> and they just went through prenup wedding. They just went through all of them. But uh not that I'm opposed to DJs, I guess. I mean, do whatever you want, but um it just <laughs> prenup wedding got me. That's so awesome. There's so much you go to a wedding and it's all country songs. It's like, all qualified. I'm gonna dance with my daughter Every before s- you consummate. It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh man. Valid. Oh uh, yeah, if it was uh, if it was live musicians performing the the playlist, I would be less bothered by it. <laughs> um but uh but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, either way, whether whether they're open to everybody playing there or not the fact is nobody feels welcome there anymore and that alone is kind of a huge uh mistake i think on their part yeah i don't know but i whatever. agree i totally agree because rg's is cool but like has anyone reached out to the moonshine people I haven't even done it i don't no. know because i i always think of like not to be like you know a pollyanna optimist but Who's at fault here? No, well, no, if nobody went there and said, "Hey, we used to do this here. Can we do it again?" I know that's a good point. Yeah. I it, think it could happen. I think that probably is. Like, I feel like Alex Sabo 
Since since you are doing your thing in the bike shop, I feel like Alex Sabo is like the, the Jimmy Hoffa of the musicians union. Right. So I'm like, well, he must have asked, but I, what's, maybe what's, nobody it's asked. It's collective, right? Yeah. 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 That, and that's awesome. That's, you know. Because I feel like he, he, takes the, he takes the reins. Yep. You know what I mean? And he, you kind of need a leader. He's a superhuman. Oh, yeah. he's great. He's so authentic and just, I don't know. Yeah. One of the most genuine people hey, I've, fantastic. I've met. Dude, I commissioned him to do what I thought was going to be like five hours of yard work for me. And I came home from work and he had done everything I anticipated him doing, but in like an hour and a half, just by hand, just him alone. And you're like, dude, that must have sucked. He's like, no, it was great. Yeah. Like I walk up a flight of stairs and I'm like, all right. I should probably take a rest. Yeah. Like, he just never stops. He works like a beast. Yeah. And, and he's got that heart that, like, no matter how sketchy or strange the dude is, if the dude needs a ride home, yes. yeah. if the dude needs to get picked up, Alex will get him where he yep. needs to go. You just summed up Alex Sabo in one like, sentence. Anything for anybody that needs anything yes. w- yep. without condition. And yep. uh, that's that's better than me. Yeah. Like, I agree. I, I'm not that good. <laughs> no, no, I'm not either. Definitely, I, I try, but I, I have boundaries. Right. Well, part of it is survival instinct, so I think that's good. <laughs> but, but no, I know what you mean. He'll. The thing that I like about Alex is he's, he's, uh, he's got the same radar as you, so he'll know this guy looks, smells, acts like a psychopath. Like he's on your same level of like perception right he's not but, he's not unaware right he's not naive yeah he thinks the same thing you do it's just that he's better than us and that he'll actually still give the guy right yeah he's yeah yeah that's hard. what i like about him. gives and gives yep 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 dude i didn't know so he was we had him on and uh the drummer of the grubs had a heart attack he was telling i had us. no idea yeah it was nuts jesus i guess he's out right now but that was pretty startling that is startling but um i like the grubs a lot yeah, so uh, we had um, we were talking to him. Yeah, the Grubs are awesome, and uh, I don't. Where's that show? We're actually playing with them. It's in like two weeks. Um, now sure. it's so weird not having staple venues in Haverhill anymore. I know. It's like it's like, and we're so lazy, so we would just play the same two places over and over again. Right, but. right. That was part of the fun, yeah. It fun, was though. It's, it, it wasn't it, broke, so we didn't fix I it. I mean, right. You're not gonna make it in your hometown playing the same three or four clubs. Right, but right. If you want to play music, yeah, you five go nights where you, a week, you go where you can. You and you have that. Why not? Right. It's just so fun. The man. I, the thing that was so great about the open mic was like, f- like in what other circumstance would you even meet any of the people that we've become friends with? And then two, it was just like, it was. It became so regimented. Where like, like it was weird that like to think there was a point in my life where I played. Out live, even if it was only for 15 minutes. Like, I got on stage and played, performed live, like, every single week. Yeah. For years. Yep. And, like, then when it stopped, you're like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Like, on Sunday, I was like, this is weird. Like, it it was, like, it was kind of, like, sad, kind of, but, like, exciting at the same time. But I was like, this is just weird that I haven't seen any of these dudes in, like, the longest time. Yeah. Because it went from being like a weekly occurrence. Oh, back to Ryan Sawyer. Yes. Because uh, I ran into him at the bike shop, and yep. we were talking about the open mic, and I was like, what if we found a place to do a reunion show? And he's like, do it. Yeah. Whatever you need, let me know. You yep. have to do it. You have to do it. And then I texted Darren, Yeah. and he was like, 
yeah, let's get in touch with Wyeth and uh, see if we can do it at Beowulf. And that first one went down, and it was awesome. Everybody showed up. Everybody, it was warmed my heart. And yeah, it, it yeah. was really, really cool to have all those people in the room. And everybody's continuing to grow. Yep. And everybody's getting better. Yep. Everybody's got new ensembles and, you know, yeah, sounds was... change. And, like, yep. people kind of find confidence in what they're doing. Absolutely. You know, yes. where somebody gets up the first time, they're tentative. Even if they have, like, a lot of natural ability, mm-hmm. they might have great this or great that or none at all. And then if you go to the open mic for four years, you've got on stage 200 times. Right. That's exactly right. And I didn't then, even realize it. Yeah. So if you're going to the open mic and playing shows on the weekends, after four years go by, you might, you've played hundreds of shows. Yep. Yeah. Some of them were really short shows, but, and, you know, people get comfortable being on stage and trying stuff. And, yep. You know, and then the cross pollination, you know. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. Sitting is with this guy, play drums with that guy, yep. play bass for that guy. And, and you're playing with and in front of talented people. So, like, the bar is always like, there'll be times where, like, some rando would come into the open mic and i'm like dude this guy's like really fucking good yeah smoking and then you're like oh shit because like at first you have like the kind of like like big fish in a small pond thing and then some guy some random person that isn't part of the group comes in and you're like everyone's like it's so funny too because everybody just smells it in the air too like this the first lyric they belt out like kind of everybody's head heads turn. Like, oh, this is yep. new. Yep. This is cool. The chatter quiets down. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was great, man. It was almost like it was like a real like all the cliches of a sitcom. Like if you wrote <laughs> if you if you wrote a sitcom with the premise of the chit chat over mic, people would be like, dude, this is so corny. Like this doesn't actually happen. But it really was. It was like the same characters walking at the same time. It's yeah. so true. Every week. It was awesome. You got Mudflap, he's a character. Yes. Oh, yeah. You got Ryan Sawyer, he walks in, What's up, motherfuckers? And there's yeah. just like laughter that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Skippy. Yes. Skippy is hilarious. Yep. Skippy is so funny, man, because uh my girlfriend had never met Skippy, so <clears throat> She pretty much knows everybody on the regular panel of the old chit chat, but still, I walk in and we're like, I'm going to get to get a drink. And then I literally just see Skippy like right in your face. She's like, Hey, what's going on? What's your name? Well, I met you one time. And then uh, she was like, who is that? I was like, that's Skippy. She was like, is that his real name? I was like, I think so. Well, his name's David, right? <laughs> is it David? Yes. Yeah, he told me at the show, he goes, you know my name's, my real name's David, right? I was he, like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, he goes, yeah. Uh, he must really like you if he told you his, yeah. his Christian name. And then he was like, yeah, when I was young, my my stomach used to look like chunky peanut butter. So they oh, he told you the me. story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah, he basically was a fat kid, <laughs> and, and they called him Skippy because he was kind of like, like chunky the, peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, he got... Lean and in shape and, and grew like hair seven and feet. Played in a rock band and got cool and just kind of took ownership of that stupid nickname. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was like been Skippy was, ever since. I, I mean, it's a very fitting name for for his personality. It really God. is. Totally. It's perfect. Because if if my girlfriend was like, "Whoa, who was that guy?" And I was like, "That's David." She Where does like, the what? name Skippy come from? Because there are people named Skip, and it's not short for like. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Skipperton or. Yeah, Skip Tholomew. But I would like, think like yeah, I don't know. Eighty percent of the people that are called Skip or Skippy are drummers. Yeah, maybe it's <laughs> maybe the name. It's just one of those names that just steers your yeah. Like if your parents name you Chives, you're gonna be a butler for like a 19th century <laughs> right. Victorian era. 
rich family. But uh, no, but all those guys are just so funny, man. And then, uh, although I, dude, uh, every time Max does stand up and the crowd is like just because it's a tough room to do stand up in. It's a tough room to do stand up, and I sure I get so much anxiety. Me too. Because I'm like, dude, like I'm like, if I were up there right now, I'd be having a fucking meltdown. (laughs) Yeah, but he's a trooper, man. He sticks it out. It's not fair because like if you get up there and you play a song that everybody knows and you do a shitty job because you're not. You're just new, right? Yeah. Right. Everybody goes, yeah, yeah. And the next time you go up, they go, ah, oh, yeah, play that, uh, play that right. Green Day song again. You did good, exactly. But if you're telling, you're trying to get good at live comedy, yeah, no, you no, need nobody's nice, right? No, yeah. if like if you're if if you're not connecting that night and you're eating shit, the crowds get so hostile so fast, yeah. right? Because at that point, like they treat you like you would if I was a guy just talking to you at a bar while you're waiting to get right. served. But um, and also, if I'm on stage, whether I suck or I'm good, I'm literally the loudest person in the room. Yeah. Like I can overpower you to the point where you have to listen to me. Yeah. And I feel like you don't have you don't wield the same like totalitarian power. Right. You know, being a stand. When if but. you're in the back of the room and someone's just talking to the mic, you're like, what is he saying? You can play the same three songs that you played last week, and people still clap. But if yeah. you tell the same. Yeah, like mixing, yeah, it's so true. Like I heard that. It's so New true. Material. That sucked the first time, and people just yell it and out. And coming up, yeah. coming up with a great joke, I think, is so much harder than coming up with like a decent song. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you can't tell somebody else's jokes. No, you can't. I can play a Bob Dylan right. song and people love it. Yeah. But if I get up and repeat a bit from right, like right. a Louis C.K., then they're like, "Oh, come on, that's a really you, good you point." You can't do Louis C.K. Yeah. covers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. So yeah, but, uh, I think it takes way more courage to get on a microphone and, sure. and do oh, the stand up thing. I was telling Max that too. I'm like, stand up is one of those things I'd love to be able to do, but I'm never going to put the time in to do it because I just don't have the balls to do that. Well, yeah, and just getting to be C- can I good. can I dare you? Can I dare you? Next chit chat open mic reunion part no fucking three. Oh, I three minutes it. to write three that, minutes. Dude, of that's comedy. a long no time. fucking way, dude. I'll do it too. If you do it, I'll do it. Oh, oh I like this. Make this happen. Dude. Come on, dude. Just do it. We're, it'll probably be like in the shoulder season because I can't do it mid-season <laughs> cycling. So it'll be in like either November or on the other side of Christmas. But uh, you got that's plenty of time for three minutes. You can write three. Are minutes. Are you kidding, dude? Dude, think about all the like. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll basically take one 15 minute spot and we'll give Max most of it. And, you know, and it'll basically be like a little solidarity for for Max to not be the oh. only guy with the courage to get up without an instrument and tell Fuck. some jokes. <laughs> the thing about that is I actually love this idea is I picture like if I were to do stand up, it's in a room of people, you know, paying attention, at least kind of giggling. But it's like there, you're just you're just not gonna get that, right? Like when you do your fantasy, every you have a captive audience. Like right. everybody is like right. you have at least their full attention. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's a, that's that's terrifying. You saying that is terrifying. I am terrified thinking of it. I'll commit to it if you commit to it. I'll shake oh, on it and I'll do it. I'll, I'll I'll go all the way. I don't know if I can. Dude, you could do it. You have you have funny observations. No, you fucking do it then. No, <laughs> see. <laughs> I wasn't part of the bet. Uh, come on, man. I don't know Three if I minutes. can do it. Dude, Three you got minutes. like six months to come up with this. Plenty of time. Jesus Christ. Have you ever had the flu before? Yeah. That's worse than three minutes of <laughs> sucking at comedy. Come yeah. on. You can do it. Yeah. 
That's a good point. <laughs> that is true. You can really say that about a lot of things. <laughs> if that's your standard. It's just better than the flu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm gonna pinky square with you right now. Come on, dude, just do three it. minutes. We'll fucking do it. Chit chat, open mic reunion three. You and I each have to have three minutes of stand up material. Okay. And All then, right. then you we'll, heard it first. It'll be a block. You heard it here first, and if, folks. If more people are doing it, it'll be a little bit more normal. Yeah. It won't be as weird. Maybe I'll go first so that Max can get. I'll 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 warm up the crowd. Well, then if you bomb, Max is gonna be like, "All right, it's all uphill." Right. Or downhill, yeah. whatever you want. No, if everybody's getting up with an acoustic guitar and playing three songs, that's normal. Yeah, right. And if you get up there, so it's kind of like it's a nice little break. The black sheep. Were you there? Just, oh, you weren't there the night that kid channeled an alien at the. Open oh, room. oh, Jesus! Fantastic. Was this like a seance or was this kind like of an acting bit? Kind of like a no. Seance. He wasn't. It wasn't some like Andy Kaufman comedy. Like he was deadly serious about it. Wow. And uh, oh yeah, because I was like. It was so funny because it must have been one of the first. It was like he would sub for you on nights that you couldn't do Tuesdays, but this is like the first or second week when you were when you officially passed the baton. So it couldn't have been funnier timing because like you had just inherited this <laughs> responsibility of being like the full time open mic host, and this kid comes up and he gives you this ridiculous tat. So he was like, "I'm gonna." I'm going to basically perform a seance where I'm going to become this entity and you have to ask questions to it. I was like, do you need an amp or a guitar? It was probably the most brutal. Like, I don't think I've ever seen someone humiliate themselves like that on stage. He's like, no, I just need a microphone and a stool. I was like, okay. And there was like one guy trying to watch the Red Sox in the bar. Oh, boy. The rest of the the place is like completely empty. But he started, he was like, first I got to get into my breathing ritual. So he did like some weird breathing thing. Yeah. Was this avant-garde art or do you think he was a little mentally ill? A uh, little bit of both? Well, so mark? the thing is, I've t- I've talked to this did, kid a did lot. Did Alex give him a ride home? <laughs> Ooh. In which case, the latter. That, that verifies the latter. <laughs> but uh, no, because I've talked to the kid. It, it was probably more of like the avant-garde thing because I've talked to him plenty of times. And uh, if he was just not all there, I I wouldn't be as comfortable mocking it. But I know that this kid can carry a conversation and okay. just be like kind of normal. But it was so awkward, man. It was very awkward. I'm pretty sure at one point Ty Ryan voluntarily locked himself in the freezer and was like, "Just <laughs> just get me out when it's over." Oh, and that's what he did. He had me put a mic like out in the crowd. So it was like people, a Q and A. Yeah, so people so, could come up and ask him questions. So he was on stage. There was a microphone facing. The crowd. Oh, okay. And his idea was once I've once I've been possessed by this entity, people will stand up. There'll be a queue of That's a really people. strange act. Yeah. And he was very optimistic about the crowd's participation. Uh, and of course, nobody asked him a single question. <laughs> so, so I had to be like, uh, what's your name? You know, stuff like that. Oh, and he'd wow. answer yeah. it. And You're a good sport. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, where do you come from? He's like, it's not a place. It's a... It's a time or something. <laughs> it I don't was fucking so know, but, bad. Yeah. But anyways, and then eventually I just couldn't think of any more questions. I mean, hey, it is an open mic. It ended. I mean, it there's is. no, there's no rules. No rules. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Yep. So good for him for being like, you know, this is my, this is my opportunity. Yeah. But yeah. Seize it. I do miss it though. 
And now I'm on. Now I'm up by the train station. I can walk to the chit chat. Oh, nice. Yeah. And of now course, now that it's gone. Now, oh. that, now that I have no reason to go there. <laughs> oh, not nice. <laughs> uh, but I do like the Beowulf place. It's a yeah. good venue. Place is cool. We were saying we have to go buy more of this because this is fantastic. The hard, farmhouse. Heart and clocks. Heart and cocks. Heart and cocks. Oh, hold on, Julian Mark. This is a giant cock. Probably the only time that's ever been useful. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite scene in Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh, that's that's where that's from, huh? Yeah. yeah. That's nice. It's yeah. part of the lame it's part it's it's part of the script of the first porno he does. That's nobody's ever said that to me in my entire life. <laughs> no, I think that's why it's that's why people instinctively laugh at it because they're like no one's ever delivered that sentence and meant it. <laughs> hmm. We all can't be Dirk Diggler. <clears throat> no, we can't. But we can all we can all hope. Yeah. To one Still day. Hope. Yep. Oh man, so what's uh what's next for your immediate future? You got any <clears throat> um Anything you want to plug or anything? Oh, that just already mentioned the screen mention? show, April 3rd. Uh, screen is playing an alumni event at UNH on June 5th. Ooh. So a lot of the musicians that I play with from the Seacoast area, we met at UNH. A lot of band stuff happened in the Seacoast. So kind cool. of the generation before us was like Fly Spinach Fly, Thanks to Gravity, Heavens to Murgatroyd, and then and Truffle. So those are all the guys that are 10 years older than me. And then while we were there, there's a whole other generation of bands that met. And uh, Oh, that's cool. There's yeah. this uh, area called the mini dorm. So it was like six dorms. There were small buildings, and each dorm had a particular focus. Yep. And one of them was music and arts. So all the band nerds. Oh, so nerds, every generation of UNH bands knew that uh, exact same place. Exactly. And yeah. uh, I was an art major that played in bands, so... I ended up at Eaton House, and that was like heaven because there was always yeah. somebody to play with, or you know, there's so much just improvising and jamming in the, the oh, lounges. Oh, that's awesome, and, dude! Yeah, it was a blast. So I met Screens drummer Jarrett and the Screens bass player John Briggs there. Um, Rob, the other guitar player and singer from the Screen, lived there the year before I lived there. And oh, I had no idea that that's yeah, how you guys all met. That's how we all met. Um, yeah, and we basically all knew each other kind of casually and kind of, you know, intersected at different musical things going on at UNH. But then, uh, uh, Andrew May and Matt Carano, uh, were running a production of JC Superstar. So they had a band, which was all kind of the, you know, the ringer musicians yeah. of that generation at UNH. Uh, one of whom Kurt Morgan now plays with Dweezil Zappa. Andrew May now is a front of house sound guy and, and travels with um, luminaries of big shows. Really? And uh, oh, like, what is it? Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Bob Dylan. So those guys launched from that and, you know, were great, Dude, great awesome. successes. Um, Imagine if he goes, who's that guy? Uh, Bob Dylan <laughs> and Wiz Khalifa. Imagine <laughs> switching it. Totally Wiz Khalifa's on the tip of the tongue. Yeah, Bob yeah. Dylan, he's like, who's that? <laughs> yeah. they, they cast me as Pontius Pilate. <laughs> so, you know, That's I got to beat up on on Jesus. Hey, to be fair, Pontius Pilate was equally as important in the story of Christianity. I, I don't know much about the story. I just know the rock opera. But um, Well, I'm just saying, if there was no Pontius Pilate, the rest couldn't have happened. Yeah, I guess you're right. So yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good role. Is what the I'm saying. story needs an antagonist. Yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, during one of the rehearsals, I just picked up a guitar and started noodling. And Rob picked up a guitar and started noodling. And we're like, 
we gotta get together and jam, bro. Where do you yeah. live? I live uh, in Newmarket on this street. Well, I live in Newmarket on this street. I'll be over. French <laughs> for life. Yep, we would just be, you know, yeah, burning joints and playing guitar. And Kurt would be in his headphones, like programming Frank Zappa music into a <laughs> sequencer. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, just, dude. And, uh, yeah, there was a mean cat named Marley. And we just, that's kind of where we started. The screen kind of began there. And it didn't become the screen until a few years later. But yeah, but that's, that's like where the best everybody in, met. So Jarrett Jar- Jar- was in that. I was in that. And Rob was in that. And uh, I think, yeah, everybody but Eric was in JC Superstar. But Eric was also attending UNH at the time. Yeah. Playing in a another band did he at least see jc superstar in the crowd uh yeah oh all right good so you're all under the same roof when this was going on oh yeah yeah that that was the catalyst for all the yeah yeah dude i love that i've never seen somebody where that was the uh the original first project yeah right a group of people oh that's awesome yeah when was this when did you go to unh uh i graduated in 98 but jc superstar was in 99 so I, i was the the you know, I was like the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the older guy that was still hanging out on camp. All right. Yeah. All right. Dating high school girls. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Actually, quite technically, yes, because uh, my wife now was in high school. And, nice. And that's roughly when I met her. Dude. Yeah. Once the age increases, it gets much less creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thir- <laughs> 37 and 40 something. No big deal. Yeah. 22 and 16. People yeah, give you a funny weird. look. Yeah. But. Right, right, right. But. So, what do you uh, do? You have any big plans for the thirtieth anniversary for cycles, etc.? Um, probably just you know get, get some barbecue, throw a big sale, fuck yeah. some tents. Nice, dude. Yeah, do something fun. I love it. Yeah. What's your um your dietary restriction of choice at the moment? Oh man, um, are you doing? It's not really. A, I don't think of it as a restriction. Just uh, but you don't follow some rigid, I, not a rigid dogma, but. Um, you guys probably didn't know me, but my hands went to shit uh, probably around 2003. I got really bad tendonitis, and everywhere I went, I had ice packs. And Oh, yeah. I, I was guitar full-time. I was either gigging or teaching guitar lessons, and yep. just I could hardly play. Oof. So my wife would come to the gigs. She'd load my gear in the car, come to the gigs, load my gear out of the car, set up my gear. I would have my hands on ice packs and then I would warm up, play the gig, put my hands back on ice and she would pack my gear up for me and uh, saw all sorts of doctors, tried all sorts of therapies and braces. Both hands are equally as bad? Both hands. And uh, so eventually another musician that had, uh, Ryan Baker, another musician that had a similar issue reached out to me and he said, this is the doctor I saw. So saw that doctor and uh, he'd better diagnosed it and set me up with physical therapy so that made it manageable right i still couldn't overuse my hands but i could still i could do what i wanted to right for the most part um but the inflammation was still kind of a constant thing and uh, we got a farm share one year and yeah. we were just getting so much produce from the farm share it kind of became a game that summer to use up all the food from the farm and not go to the grocery store yeah, yeah. and all the inflammation issues in my hands just went away until Thanksgiving. Ah. Had Thanksgiving dinner. Following day, my hands were blown up and swollen and like, you know, fingers were red and throbbing. Yeah. And we we're just like, okay, well, what was different about Thanksgiving? 
And we were just bread. Like, bread. So yeah. I basically, if, if I eat gluten, some sort of inflammatory response makes me get like tendonitis and arthritic symptoms. Holy in my hand. shit! So that, that's the big restriction, and it's it's not like uh you know I don't eat gluten because it, like it's trendy. It's like I figured out right. that was the the what solved the puzzle. So right. If I don't eat gluten, I can play guitar and fix bikes. But if I get contaminated, like it could be like. Somebody has Worcestershire sauce and a marinade, and the malt Fucks vinegar. Well, that few hours later, my hands start going. Thump, Holy thump, shit! Thump, so thump. it's like you're like hypersensitive. Yeah, but it. but now that I know what it is, I get content. If I get contaminated, my hands are sore the next day, but I'm I'm not continuing to add to it. So it clears up in a day or two. It doesn't become a, like wild. a chronic. It is wild thing. how much dietary uh, change can't. Like I know people. Like you're not supposed to be able to cure yourself of like gum disease i know people that have cured like gum disease by switching up diet my right? gu- my gums got better yeah it's it's insane how yeah. much that actually affect i mean it yep. makes sense your your whole body is literally surviving off what you put in it so yep. i mean whatever that is ought to dictate yeah how your body functions but it is pretty crazy how most people probably just live with tendonitis or like say the whatever the exact diagnosis of what you had was yeah most people <clears> just <throat> figure it's just uh a lifelong sentence and they just deal with it. Yep. So so do you like would you have like gluten free bread or you just not fuck with any of that shit? You just um, like no bread, no fake bread. Gluten free bread is like sex with two condoms on. Yeah. So right. why even do it? Why do it? Yeah. So I mean if you do it it's right like being in a scooter if, game. If you put enough <laughs> butter on it and you grill it in a pan, yeah. you can get like the satisfaction of a, a grilled cheese. But yeah. for but the if, most part if it needs that much good. dressing up, you might as well yeah. Every once in a while, a gluten-free pizza hits the spot, but it's yeah. not really the, the dough that hits the spot. It's the meat and cheese. But for right. the most part, I just try and eat clean. You know, I do a fatty coffee in the morning, usually a salad that I made at home for lunch, and then Julie makes awesome food for dinner at night. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. You were my um, my first Bulletproof Coffee experience. Ooh. You popped my Bulletproof Coffee cherry. Nice. I can say the same, I think. <laughs> I can say the same. You Excellent. also were my first um, grass-fed beef and now that's pretty much all I try to buy. Nice. Mm. So I just yeah. If if you can you know yeah. afford to do the grass fed beef and the ground beef's not that expensive. No, it's like seven bucks a pound. Yeah, is six, that what you made the tacos out of? Was that yeah, grass-fed? that was grass fed beef. It's, wow. it's delicious, yep. and you know, according to people smarter than me, it's better for you. Yeah, so. yeah. I trust that. I guess yep. you can definitely taste the difference. Yeah, if yeah, the, before you even get into the actual like effects of it. It just tastes better. Yeah, and the, the fat's a different color too. Like right. a grass-fed ribeye, the fat's got this yellow hue to it. Yes, and it's the you know there's more good stuff in it. Yeah, they're not giving the cows antibiotics because right. because of the, I guess cows aren't supposed to eat cereal. Really, Who'd you're thunk? kidding. So yeah. <laughs> whoever invented the food pyramid needs to uh, you know reapply for <laughs> for cows. Yep. Yeah. Shit. So that's it. Just no gluten. That's the big restriction, but I yeah. just try and eat clean, you know, cool. avoid processed stuff and, you know, yep. industrial oils. So it's usually grass-fed butter, coconut oil, vegetables. Try and get, you know, as much meat that's better quality meat, you know, right. try and stay away from the antibiotics and right. the hormones, grass-fed when possible. My wife yep. and I buy a, um, a half a hog from Fresco Farm yeah. every year, and that's great because we always have a, just got like a $130 chest freezer at Lowe's and... The half a hog pretty much packs that. Yeah. And we know the farmers and we know the butcher that butchers it. And we know the guy that makes the sausage and, yeah. you know, smokes the bacon and 
cures the hams and yep. So it's kind of that solves a big problem, right? You know, yeah, because that is like one of the one of the biggest problems is finding it and yep. like a good selection of it. Yep. It's like you can go to Market Basket, you can get grass fed like ground beef, you can get grass fed like steaks and shit, but like the steaks, it's like not like, not a great selection. Yep. But my brother just bought half a cow. It's all grass fed organic shit. Yep. And when you they do love that, it. you get everything. Yeah. Like if you want the bones and you want to make broths, you get the bones. Yeah. If you want, you know, ground stuff, you get the ground stuff. If you want to do the weird stuff like the head cheeses and the organ meats yeah. and pâtés, you can get that too. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's cool. I'm curious if that's yeah. kind of the way it's going to go is more like farmer direct to consumer, just getting half a cow, not in- instead of like going to the market and getting, mm. you know, just what you need at the moment. I wonder. <laughs> that's a good question. Probably is. You know, <laughs> this guy, look at this guy over here. You, yeah, you, in terms of uh, capitalistic trends, you really have been my bellwether. <laughs> You're my guy. I just go, what are you feeling? <laughs> you go, I think uh, half a cow, whoever sells that, let's invest it. In. <laughs> uh, Good Lord. No, no, but I agree. I think now, too, that people are more conscious of, like, what exactly it is. And, like, like you said, part of it. With the gluten-free thing, like, a lot of that is a fad. Like, I have people that don't have celiacs or, like, any sort of bad symptoms derivative from gluten that will just buy gluten-free, like, brownies for right. no yeah, reason. It's gluten you know free, what I mean? It's gluten-free processed desserts. So. Right. So right. it's right. the most negligible effects yep. because they, their body actually processes a gluten fine. Uh, but I think it, even aside, a lot of the stuff, like, Probably not coincidentally, the stuff that makes you feel better after you eat it actually just tastes better too, for the most part. Like, because I notice once you wean yourself off the crap that you normally eat, the the old crap becomes less appetizing. You don't even oh, yeah. want it. Yeah. Like when I stopped eating French fries for like two weeks. Yeah, I I'm, remember this. I'm back on the French fry. Just say so you now, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, but when I stopped for two weeks, I like I got to that point where like. I would be in line and I would see French fries and it was like disgusting to me. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I don't want that. I kind of like you because every time you look at a piece of bread, it probably doesn't take much for you to conjure up the feeling of like what it's like when your hands are inflamed and you're totally fucking miserable. The fact that it causes me physical discomfort right, gets it, between the things I love to do makes it easy. But yes. if, if it was just like... You were going to be bloated and crap a lot. I would probably put up with a little digestive yeah. Yeah. distress to eat some focaccia once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that digestive stress is not going to get between me and a guitar. Yeah, right. exactly. Hand, exactly. Hand pain does. Right. So, like right. if you have to change your plans tomorrow because you eat two dinner rolls tonight, it's yep. an easy choice. Yep. You know? Because isn't we like, it's like there's so many lactose intolerant people that are like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll just eat this and just deal with the aftermath like tomorrow. Yeah. Like, yep. That's a way different ballpark than having your hands to the point where you can't even like play guitar. Yep. Random question Do you do yoga? Uh, Regularly. Yes. Yes, but I'm off the train right now. Okay. So I did uh, yoga almost every morning for, man, years. Yeah. And then uh, I'm a little um, off the discipline train. I, yeah. I had a surgery, minor surgery, just a hernia repaired yep. on had February fourth, yeah. and uh, I'm just getting back into the swing. Oh, so, you had a hernia like a like oh, a m- month ago? Uh, umbilical hernia corrected on February fourth. So in the weeks following that, I was back to work three days later, but I was really limited activity, and you know, do they still just use that shitty piece of mesh that they put in there and just um, sew you up? 
They didn't mesh me. They just stitched me. Okay. They just used like 100-pound test fishing line and gave <laughs> nice. me some permanent sutures. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully that holds. But following that, I had some downtime. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, admittedly, I did some pity eating, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's nice. like, this sucks. And I sit there with a jar of peanut butter and a thing of almond milk and just Nice. Yeah. You know, binge watch The Witcher. And then you looked out the window <laughs> and and Skippy was watching you eat peanut butter and just said, dude. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so, uh, oh yeah, that's, I'm basically back to 80% activity. And I was on the floor this morning at 5 a.m. doing the yoga routine. Yeah. Again, but, oh, nice. So the reason yep. I even said that is because when you put your, when you sat like this, I don't know if you noticed, but his leg. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. Look how he's sitting. I can't even do that. Oh, this is. And you're much older than me. Yeah, I can't. Not that that means much, but. Like, look at our fucking. Look how tight our hips are. Like, look how straight up and down our fucking legs are. And his his were like flat. Yeah. This is comfortable for me. Yeah. No fucking way could I do that. uh, Half Lotus or full Lotus. Uh, it's tough in restaurants because you don't have as much knee room. But when I sit down to eat at home, I kick my shoes off and I sit like this. It's yeah. just just kind of more comfortable. I'm fucking up, man. I can't do that. I'm like a. I have the hips of like a eight year old German Shepherd. Oh boy, it doesn't allow That's me rough. much. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, that really drove. That was good. I like that one. You came up with that. Uh, yeah, I'd hate to think of a. Uh, a professional comedian that would say that, but unbelievable, folks! Unbelievable. He does this for free. The thing is, I like the idea of, of yoga. I just feel like I'm so far behind the point of getting to be able to actually do it. That's a bad. That's a that, bad reason. You can you can do it. That's <laughs> the answer is you can do it. It's just when you first go to do this, you're going to be like, your, that's your me. knees are going to be at nipple height, and you're going to be right trying to get them down, and you know right. it's going to be really difficult to get to this position. Right, but. The position you can get to, that's your yoga. Literally, okay. from where the table is right now, you look like you just don't have legs. <laughs> yeah, you look like Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But um, I've gone through short phases of healthy things. So, like, I've worked out for two months, stopped doing it, didn't eat any bread. Two for, months? Two months is for you and I both seems to be the, kind of the you and me both seems to be the, where we kind of drop out. Yeah. Like, if I had a killer pool party planned for, like, two months from now, and everybody that I would want to impress was going to be there, like, I know I would have the discipline to get a six-pack for that pool party. Well, let's fucking plan one, man. But after two months, if, like, they're like, oh, it's raining, we're going to do it, like, two weeks from now, I'd be like, oh, fuck. But I did do yoga for... I need to see the finish line. You need a a reason. Yeah. Yeah. How about just your overall health, bud? No, but I'm saying the the idea, like when people do diet, like a lot of reasons that diets don't work for like particularly overweight people is because they haven't gotten in their heads that it's a lifestyle change, not right? A, not a temporary kind of thing. Secretary, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can, everybody's fine. If you say, all right, I'm going to like, I'm 50 pounds overweight. Uh, we got this trip to Florida in three months. My goal is to lose 25 pounds. Yeah. I'd say... <clears throat> 90% of people can do that. Yeah. But well, if you're like, I just want to lose 50 pounds and just stay that way for the rest of my life, I think that kind of permanence scares and discourages people to the point where they're like, all right, I'm not even going to do it because that's unrealistic. I think you nailed it on the head. People look at like, oh, I have to do this for decades. Right. And when you look at this really long thing, it's insurmountable. But if you just go, eh, I'm going to eat healthy today. I'm going to get up and... 
Right. I'm going to get up and exercise today. If it's just, you know, if you're, looking, if you're looking at short, short term kind of, yep. you know, rewards or, or points to get to, it's easier, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. The, uh, like if, thing, I'm, if I'm riding a hundred miles on the bike, I don't think about the hundred miles. Right. I just think of like, okay, we hit 10. Right. We hit 20. And then once I'm exhausted and it's like mile 70 something and I just, I'm like, why the hell did I show up? This sucks. <laughs> right. This, I'm my, everything hurts. My wrists hurt. My neck hurts. hundred, yep. you know. But and, you didn't leave the house going like, I'm going to ride a hundred miles. But then I start going, okay, I have seven, five mile rides left. Right. I could ride five miles no matter what. I could be on death's door and still ride five miles. So then yep. I start counting the, the five mile rides to get to the hundred. But yeah. when, but when you look at the big picture, it's harder to to have the the mindset and to do it for whatever fifty years. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's yeah, it's well said. <laughs> no, but it's just fun. That really is the psyche of everybody. You know. Yeah. That's why prices end at ninety nine cents instead of the plain zero. Right. No one actually cares about a penny. But yeah. For whatever reason, you're like, oh, thirty nine ninety nine sounds way better oh, than that's forty. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, like saying, all right, I'm not gonna run, I'm not gonna run five miles. I'm just gonna run one mile. And then when I hit that, I'm going to say, all right, just do the same thing four more times. Yep. You know, it's weird. Genius. But if you really want to lose weight, just start smoking crack. Because I've never seen <laughs> I've never seen an overweight crackhead. Uh, you haven't been to Manchester enough. Oh. <laughs> Which is weird because with all the scooter exercise, you'd think they'd, have, like, they'd Man, all be fit. Manchester's, it's weird because we're, we're in this spot where if you go a little ways this way, it's Bedford. Yep. And Starbucks has like a row of... Range Rovers and yep. Mercedes and BMWs waiting. And if you go literally a few hundred yards in the other direction, like if you look at the crime maps, it's the like darkest purple yep. neighborhood in the crime map. So it's we are the tracks. And this is the other side of the tracks over here. <laughs> and I've had to I've had people like I come into work in the morning and there's a person unconscious in the bushes next to our entrance and we gotta make a phone call. Yep. And or there's Somebody that's clearly overdosing on something, doing like eyes closed, standing, but doing a wicked mad gangster lean and yep. shaking his hands. And yep. we got a call for help or people getting busted in the parking lot near us. And it's it's kind of sad, but it, and it's literally like a few hundred yards that way. Range Rovers. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it really is. It's funny how uh, it's almost like even like the, the scoff laws kind of know where their jurisdiction ends. Like, cause that's in so many times, like even like when you go to LA, like you can be in Beverly Hills, drive four miles right when West LA enters East LA. Like it's just all slums. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Just, there's a line and on the other side of the line, it's completely different. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. But Manchester's weird because there's a lot of pretty places in Manchester, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's a disc golf course, right? Smack yeah. in the middle of the city, the hollows. It's beautiful. Yeah. You walk out there and you forget you're in Manchester. Have you been doing a lot of disc golf? Haven't been doing a lot of Jesus, disc golf. Jesus, dude. A lot of firsts with you. You were my first disc golf experience, too. Really? Yeah. Did you disc go golf to, is awesome. Yeah. Did you go to Amesbury? Or where did you guys go? I don't know where we went. It was the one with the big pond that you have to throw over. That's Amesbury. Yeah, okay. that's yep. like the 17th hole of the thing. Yep. Right? Yeah, I, I got in around it. The Hollows, I think, last summer, but yeah, haven't had a lot of time to do much other than you know uh, get, I lost get my... up early, train, go to work, yeah, yep. go home, go to bed. Yep. What's your schedule like? What time have you been going to bed? Uh, pre-surgery and starting yes yesterday. Uh, usually up at four forty-five or five. Uh, get on the floor. I don't do like a ninety-minute yoga routine. I do like a ten or fifteen-minute routine that's kind of based about 
really around solving problems that I had. Right. So I do stuff that's good for my lower back. It's good for my shoulders. Yeah. Good for my neck. Those More of a physical therapist approach. Yeah. Things that, that help, help alleviate, cor- alleviate problems. And if I don't do it for a long time, the problems come back. Yeah. I'll do that. And then I'll either go to the gym, ride a bike, go to jujitsu. And then so usually you, in the shower by six thirty, and then off to work shortly after that. What's your? Are you off like one hundred seven or one hundred eight? Uh, off of one eleven in East Kingston. Oh right, right. Yeah. Apple Hills in East Kingston, right? Golf course. Yes, I believe uh, it is. Golf there a lot. But uh, what's your commute like from there to Manchester? It's if I drive like everybody else, a little over thirty minutes. Oh okay. But um, I just. I cruise at like 62. Yeah. <laughs> it takes longer, but it's 20. That's yeah, a standard American commute. It's almost 25 minutes shorter than Newton. New, Newton was pretty okay. much a full hour. So yeah, yeah. Uh, moving a little closer to 101, you know, gave me a lot of my life back nice. on either side of the commute. So that was good. Sweet, dude. You said you moved in June? That's when you've been? June. There? Yep. Wow. I loved your old house. I haven't seen the new uh, one. The old house. Love it. It yeah. was just who bought it? Do you know them? Um, I do. I don't know if I'll say their names into the well, yeah, yeah, just yeah. for privacy, just like the la- the last uh, five of their social. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the uh, the ISO booth is still getting used. Nice. That's I, that, so, that was mean. That yeah, was the premise so of my question. Are they going to keep there this are studio? people? Um, yeah. and uh, maybe off off the record, I'll show you a video of the the studio in use. Oh, cool, the, cool. Yeah. But the artsy people and, and the guy is um. He plays like a Renaissance lyre or lute and oh, yeah, sings yeah. in like old English, like really? verses of no shit. of like Beowulf. He's like a really eccentric dude, and uh, you know, kind of strange, but yeah, uh, but that, loves like Chaucer and old old English. Yeah, like a King Richard's Fair kind of cat. But yeah, he, he like gets it. into the Chaucer and like he'll strum the lute and sing old songs and be in like a. You know, oh, he gets in like the be, Renaissance be in era, like, like Game of Thrones kind of. Does he LARP? Up. Is he a LARPer? I don't know what a LARPer is. What's a LARPer? Fireball, fireball. Oh, uh. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's a LARPer. Oh, okay, I, I think I don't think he's like LARPer. Is that that's more Comic Con than King Richard's Ye- Fair? Yes, right? okay, that's correct. Yep, yep. Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the best way to just describe it. You got it. If you look up LARPer online, it just says fireball, fireball, fireball. As, soon, as soon as you said that, I knew what you were talking about. I didn't know there was an actual name for that. LARP. Yeah, LARPing. I don't remember what the acronym yeah. is. A lot but. of Shakespearean characters were LARPers, I think. Is that true? <laughs> no. But, uh, oh, that's sweet. Yep. Yeah, because that was my care. Like, that, I was like, did the people that buy your house say like, oh, yeah, nice studio, cute. but Rip it know, out. I'm going to rip it out. Or were there people that were... No, he's, say, he's, he's using things. the ISO booth and putting out YouTube videos of performing his music. Good. And I love it, dude. And that thing. So I'm glad. Yeah, because they dug it. They wrote this nice letter when they saw the house because they knew people were going to be throwing in competing yeah. bids. Yeah. So um, among the people that wanted to buy the place, there was a couple of musicians. And really, it was just the letter they wrote were like, we're really in love with your home and we love the studio and we want to utilize it. And use yeah. that recording booth to to do things musically. So at the closing, I kind of drew a schematic of the wiring and everything for him, and you know tried to explain. Yeah. If you're going to use a computer console in the room, fine. But if you're going to use the control room, you're going to you know have your interface here and plug into these, and everything's labeled. And so yeah. you know, fuck yeah, that's awesome. So I tried to give him something to go on so he could 
you know, not be completely lost if he didn't know his way around a, right. a patch bay or whatever. But Did you take the um, the disc golf paraphernalia you had in your backyard? Uh, actually, I gave Darren the disc golf basket. Darren Haw has the disc golf basket. Really? Wow. Yep. I couldn't even remember. I was like, was that even like a transportable thing? or did you That have one wasn't that made to be portable, but it wasn't like installed. Okay. So it was okay. freestanding, but not a, not a collapsible unit. Okay. You know? Okay. And oddly enough, there's a disc golf basket in the woods behind my house in East Kingston. Oh, so no matter where you are, be. you have one. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, if I went out there with some trimmers, I could have a little green to put on. Oh, yeah. I love it. There you go. Yep. That's good that they're using it because uh, when... We moved. My parents made me rip down my studio, which was just oh, heartbreaking. That was, yeah, mm. that was horrible. Taking a sledgehammer to all my memories. Oh, uh, that must have been tough. Yeah, because yeah. I built it, so it's it wasn't so necessarily like hard. Yeah, <laughs> to say goodbye. <laughs> I know that was depressing. Actually, there was actually one wall where I remember when we built it. Me and Casey put our we put our gum like on one of the studs and then enclosed it. Dude, and somebody, then when I ripped somebody it down, put I was like, gum, gum in my studio, too. Really? Yeah. So you know where the mic locker was in the control room? Yeah. If, like you're looking for yeah. in the control room, mic locker was like back right. Yeah. It was a bunch of gum stuck to the side of the mic locker between the mic locker and the wall. What really? The fuck? Yeah. And I'm like. So it wasn't me. Some rock band's bitch girlfriend was fucking chewing her gum. Oh, so when you bought that place, it was, it was already being utilized as a studio? Spot? No, I, I, I built that out with uh, the help of Chad Verbeck. Oh, oh, did you really? Yeah, Chad's a carpenter as That's well, right. which is a fantastic singer-songwriter, right. musician. So he wanted to do some recording, and I was like, you know what to do with the wood. Why don't we just trade hour for hour? Is that what he does for a living now, too? Um, or does he just... I don't know how much he's carpentering or not. You'd have to ask him. But at the, but that was like his day yeah, gig knew, yeah. for a long time. And uh, so he, we traded hour for hour, and he helped me build the... Uh, Ryan Taylor helped me build the first sound booth, so the one with the sliding door in the back. Yes. Yep. Ryan Taylor helped me build that one, and then uh, Chad Verbeck helped me build the bigger one that was kind of the the oh, no shit. I didn't trapezoidal shape with the the floating floor and the decoupled yeah. walls and everything. Oh, that's awesome! That and then uh, one of his projects, uh, Rock Spring, recorded an awesome full length album. There. I like Rock Spring, and he pulled in some some really good players for that, like really yeah. assassins. Did you meet Chad to the chit chat, or did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had moved, I think, back to this area from Colorado. Yeah, and. Popped into the open mic and uh, yeah, I like Chad because he used to. I got to know him really well because he used to host an open mic at the Grog on Wednesdays. Yep. So I used to do that. Was like right on. Sadly, already like twelve years ago, probably. Right. But uh, yeah, I like Chad a lot. But I didn't know that he assisted you in the actual. Yeah, uh, that that I don't think I would have been capable of building something on the scale of that that second ISO booth was. Yeah, the box inside the box, and right, uh, right, uh, you know, wired and with the the couple windows. Other cool thing about that is his his mother uh, does windows, but oh really? Windows for neighborhoods that are near airports. So like oh, specifically, so, so for he the, had he had the contact for these windows that were rated to be like if if they if, could withstand like if they built like an airstrip over here, the airport would have to update your windows. So. He had access to really affordable surplus windows, so those windows were rated for like super, super right. Like Air Force One could land SPL. Yeah, it's like way too perfect. It was perfect. Jesus, oh, that's awesome. Meanwhile, I was using plexiglass glass that was this thick. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) fucking terrible. I got lucky. Somebody honks their horn down the street. You're like, we're gonna need to do another take. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's crazy though because you end up finding out that like on the surface. 
we just are like, oh, these are all these cool guys at the chit chat that we know. But then you find out how intertwined all oh, of yeah. them are. Yeah. Right. It's right, like, holy right. shit. Right. It's crazy. It's cool, man. This has almost like become like a new series of deconstructing the chit chat. Oh uh, yeah, if you built a family tree, yeah, of, of yeah, that family, it would be so weird. Yeah, because you know, between all the music and all the other ways people's lives intersect, that right, would be a strange project. Right? Yeah, but, for sure. No, it's great. But yeah, this is kind of becoming the the network. We've had Alex Samo on, Darren. We're gonna have yeah. Liz Bills on. Ben Bunker was on. Um, oh, yeah. Max is coming on. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Trying to get everyone through, you know? Groovy. Interesting yeah, people. Yeah. Love it. Huh. The underworld of Haverhill circa yep. 2000 right. to 2016. Right, right. So what are you guys up to? The oh, Tims. Dude, you're, you're looking at it. Yeah. yeah so you're doing it. the podcast, which is awesome. Yep. I love it. Um, actually, I always wanted to do a podcast, so I've got... Mad podcast envy. Oh, God. You yeah. can come any fucking time, man. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think the only reason why... Because w- you're in the same boat. Just having all the crap to actually do the podcast actually made lazy people like us able to just do it. <laughs> right. Because I hear about people all the time. They're like, all right, I want to do a podcast, but they know nothing about like anything <laughs> related to sound engineering or microphones or anything just like, getting a microphone it, yeah. into the computer and right. setting an input so this mic is on that channel it's it's right. pretty alien to somebody that's never done it before right, right. yeah it was, it was it was a drunken idea made in uh on cape cod and we're like well, let's just fucking do it we got oh, yeah, all this that stuff is, that is when we came up with it yeah you're right. and just did it before you know it you'll have hundreds of episodes i'm looking forward to that really good at it. we're gonna have to do a, a hundredth episode party or something nice yeah. Cause we're at 72 we're getting there nice you know yeah and it became like an interview thing because when if, i started i was gonna it was gonna be like i had these all these grand like you know like the serial podcast all these podcasts that like are real life murder mysteries that they deconstruct and they interview all the i had this idea of just taking local news stories and making them super dramatic but they'd be like over after six minutes because everything was solved <laughs> and then all the advertisers would just be completely fake yeah but then we figured it was just easier to just have people interesting on and just yeah. talk to them. Yeah, to have authentic conversations right. with right. interesting people. Right. Turn out that was the, be- the better idea. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if I go back into the archives, who were who some of the, the guests, the more interesting guests? Like, epi- uh, episode- oh, Alex was great. I, I've heard the Alex episode. Um, yeah. Alex was fun, except I was so mad at Alex because right, like right when we were finished, he goes into this... Uh, crazy story about like when oh, he yeah. when he was like a chauffeur uh, f- through the military in Kuwait and he was as like, soon as the mics were off yeah, yeah. and he was like hey, don't ever it was turn like, the microphones off it was like this like Hunter S Thompson fucking wild oh, story man. that he told and I was just like, was like yeah I used bitch. to drive the ambassador of uh, something around yeah yeah and we're like wait f- fucking what what the dude Alex repeat one that was really good uh, I'm trying to look back I'm trying to think because actually the guest the guest thing we. We really didn't go crazy with until the last like fifteen episodes. Rob, probably. yeah, we didn't. You're still only like the twelfth guest we've ever had. Yeah, thirteen. Um, but Rob C, he was interesting. Okay, guess or episode number six. Yeah, that was a good one. That, that was a really good one. He's like a American expatriate who's lived in France for like twelve years. Cool. Yeah. That we knew since high school. Interesting. And now he like almost has a French accent because he's so. He's, he's been there long he's enough. He's so assimilated to yep. the to the French uh, ways, but John Crook would be good if you want to get some '90s 
pop punk throwback. Yeah, right I on. think you would John Crook. Uh, you would have a lot of uh, common people that you know with Crook because he's always been a hateful guy. Sammy Papathemio. Oh yeah, he was. He's John, awesome. John Crook's like been his best friend since like. Oh, then I probably do know John. Yeah, I, I've seen Sammy a million times. Yeah, in a million different ways. Yep. Like, Usually, music, audience, or performance. Or, yep. yep. We should have Sammy on, actually. We should, dude. See, I'll, this is what happens. I love Sammy. A guest talks about someone, we go, oh, shit. We should have them on. Yeah, it should be like a tag, you're it. Like, if, if right. us and the guest mention someone, yeah. we just have to have that person we'll on. We'll have them on for sure. Right on. Um, but yeah, no, it's just been cool having people come by. And it's on a Tuesday. Most people don't really have anything else going on. So it's nice to... Open mic night. Right. Well, now this that replaced it. Yeah, this yeah. Re- yeah, this is our open mic night. We nice. basically had a free pass every Tuesday with our girlfriends, so we were like, "Well, what are we going to do with this?" Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you're looking. Who was the? Uh, who was that kid? Tom. What was his last name? He would always kind of. Sometimes he'd have like the Coletti. Indiana Jones. Tom Coletti. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the hell he's been doing since the. Chit-chat. That's a great question. Yeah. There's a live a lot of I wonder what they're up to is from the chit chat. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of people. Yeah. That's a good point, dude. Mudflap. I, I love hearing Mudflap. Oh, so he. Re- I was so excited. I thought I missed his set. He recorded with me in a weird time period because I didn't have a studio at the time. Yeah. Yep. So um, I parked my gear at my buddy Duncan's studio, and he's uh, he's the guy that does a lot of game audio. So I'd worked with him on a number of projects. Yeah. Was that League of Legends guy? Yeah. Um, nice. and then, uh, so my gear was parked there and I, that was probably, I think it was the summer that, that he was writing for League of Legends and I got to do some of the work on that, but, which I still play. Um, I wasn't in Newfields, and I went to Hampton and then Hampton was like, it was, it was on Fuller Acres, like just North of the casino, but it, it was an off season rental. So I could live there for nine months and then I had to move out for three. So I moved out for three and just stayed on a mattress on a floor in a bedroom at a friend's house. It was just me and Julie and the cats in one room for three months, and I parked my gear. So Mudflap had to come to Duncan's studio and, and recorded there. And where, and where was that studio? In Exeter. Okay. And his studio is now in East Kingston, like a mile from my house. Oh, cool. Which is great. And uh, I rehearsed there one night a week with uh, Trophy Goat, which is the other band that I play in now. Oh, sweet. Trophygoat.com. If you want I'll to check, check it out. Yeah, I'll check cool. it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so Mudflap and Ryan basically hammered out this EP. No, and I, I a couple days. regularly listen to that EP, by the way. It's awesome. I love that EP. So when we completed the album, I was like, Mudflap, you got to go on BMI and you got to register this stuff because if it gets radio airplay, you'll get paid. Yes. And he didn't. And then Red Sox fan yep, yep. was played every day for like yeah, it was. a million days every morning in syndication. And he would have gotten... St- and they owed him no they, royalties. M- maybe not tens of thousands of dollars, but maybe Something. maybe thousands of dollars, but at least you know some money yeah. for, for the publishing money for that song being on the radio yeah. so much. I know, that's It sucks. was still on the radio every fucking day. I, know. I was stoked for him. And the guys on the radio didn't quite get it. It was like they they related to the sentiment because they loved the Red Sox, but they the music was they didn't get the like the strange and they it. didn't get what was cool about Mudflap. So it was like they kept playing it because they liked it, but they didn't know why they liked it and they kind of shit on it at yep. the same time. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know what's so funny about Mudflap is like if you if some giant band that toured like huge venues like Madison Square Garden and they just said I I. Want mudflap? I'll give you six months to prepare. Put together an hour and play on. 
he would just be huge because I feel like his type of music is just so cool. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's cool in the way Cake's cool. Or yes, like or yes. it's got like this really laid back kind. It's of like like a like a G Love type. Like yeah, the grooves are awesome, but there's something wrong about it. But what's wrong about it is what you like about it. Right. Well, we always talk about that all the time. He, Mudflap could have scored all the Oceans movies, and the vibe would have stayed the same. Like it's got that cool. Yeah. Kind of just jazzy, but like yeah. something's like it's like that dirty blues type weird thing. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Yep, I, I love. I knew him for probably, I probably two years. We I knew him from playing the chit chat, and it wasn't until then that he gave me the EP he did with you, and it didn't leave my car for like six months. I was like, awesome. this is so fucking good. Awesome. It's just he just has that thing where like he never sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. He's per. He does mud flap. Yeah, perfect. And it's so funny because he is like the same. Like his strat is obviously the same size as my strat because he's so like big and bearish. It looks like a toy guitar when he plays. The yeah. beat he's a giant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, the, I was so glad. One of his him. grooves made it into a trophy goat track. Like, he, oh really? He's got, he's got that. Like he's got a rhythm that he settles into, and like he's got the DNA of that groove. It's the grooves like. Yep. Like walking yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. one of the trophy goat tracks, trophy goats all improvise. And that groove just kind of, uh, whatever. It's Came in me, out it's of in me from being yeah. around him. Yeah. And the band jumped onto it. And it ended up being like this improvised trophy goat jam that had that that groove. And I'm like, ah, man. That's awesome. Mud flap. Yeah. Dude, he's so good, man. And he doesn't, he like, there's no reason for him to be as good. Like, he doesn't, like, he just shows up, mm-hmm. and it just it's always awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's your boy. And he has, like, the I always found it so funny that, like, sometimes he would just have, like, when Nico couldn't show up, he would just have some other drummer or some <laughs> kid in the crowd. And Mudflap has, like, the most, like, unsuspecting, odd, like, rhythmic thing. Oh, yeah. Thing. You kind of like, have to pay attention. I'm like, you, yeah. I was like... Matt, you're gonna just have this kid figure out your songs. Like you Starbucks have... Girl is weird, dude. Yeah, Starbucks it's... Girl is so weird. Yeah, it's got a weird bam, breakdown, bam, bam, and bam. it's like, I I don't when I play that, I don't know where the downbeat is. I don't know what time signature I'm in. Like I'll sit in with him sometimes on that, and yeah. I'll just watch his hand. I'm gonna be like, mm-hmm. well, dude, that's why like <laughs> yeah. like like Ryan is so good because when I listen to that EP. I'm like, how as a drummer do you even figure out like what to play that doesn't sound totally awkward? Yeah, he did a great job. A big part because it's one thing where because when I would play with him, I already know what I'm supposed to be playing. Right. But being the one to come up with the shit to go along with Mudflaps rhythms is like right. I'd be like, I can't fucking figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> it, I know it's he's he's awesome though, man. I would love I would love it if Mudflap just put together an, a new EP. Yeah. Mm. I would love to just start a GoFundMe for Mudflap. Let's do it. And just be like, just give us five totally new tracks like a year from now. Yep. That'd be awesome. He'll play them on the same day. They're in there. There's there's songs in there. There's songs bouncing around. Oh, definitely. That head. Deep in there. I know. (laughs) Good old Mudflap. But we might as well wrap it up. It's been been a good hefty time. How long? So it's been about... Almost, it's over two hours, I think. Holy smokes! That yeah, flew by. Yeah, it does. Cool. We got to have you back, though. I'm so, I'm so I'm glad down. you were able to come by so quickly. It worked, worked out great. Because I was like, I was like, oh, since at Sunday, I was like, since we're here, like, we should probably just ask if 
Bob wants to do the podcast. And then you were like, oh, I already asked him. He's in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I was like, all right. So and any final like plug sites or Instagram yeah. handles or um, not plug really. whatever you got. I mean, Cycles, et cetera. Cycles, et cetera. Dot com. Cool. Um, and uh, I know the screen doesn't really have much going on for media presence. So just go to the press room on uh, April, April 4th. 3rd. April 3rd. April 3rd. And uh, the band we're playing with that night is called Wizardus. They're Wizardous. awesome. It's Wizardus is uh, it's members of the members of Wizardus are from other awesome bands. Uh, it's John McCormack from uh, Museum of Science and man, oh, sweet. he's had so, like a, so like many bands. Group. And then Stu is from uh, Soggy Po Boys. Oh uh, yeah, which he sings and plays kind of rootsy guitar. Yeah, but in Wizardus, it's like super heavy, sludgy stoner rock, like louder and heavier than Black Sabbath, but with like three part vocal harmonies oh, and sure. pretty stuff. And, Sweet. Yep. And Mike, the bassist, um, he's been in man a lot of awesome bands in the Seacoast. Love but it. Cool. These guys are super cool. Fuck yeah! Awesome, yep. dude. Awesome. So yeah, check out the Wizardus. Check out the screen. And Will do. Don't miss Chit Chat Open Mic Reunion Part 3 when that comes yes. around. Because Tim Early's doing three minutes Apparently of stand-up. Apparently I'm doing three oh. minutes of stand-up. Trust me, we'll be plugging the, the hell out of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, shit. Start, Thanks. Start writing tonight. Don't yeah. procrastinate. Yeah, I'm going to ha- have to hire you to help. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was yeah. awesome. Oh, Bob, so glad, man. Good to see you. And uh, as always, go to www.imsosurecast.com for uh, you know whatever we got on there. And uh, thanks, everybody. Have a good night. I'm so sure can.